Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. First and foremost, as always, got to say thank you. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this each and every week. It is a absolute joy, honor, privilege, anything else that I can come up with to, to join each and every one of you and chat drag racing weekly. What I mean, somebody pinch me, right? What a, what a, what a time to be alive. Somehow, some way, it's already summertime. Kids are out of school or almost out of school. The drag racing uh, season is well underway. There's a ton of racing going on at any given time. We got a ton of stuff to go over here today on the show. Uh, as usual, a barn burner for you. We've got all sorts of race coverage to talk about from this past weekend, as well as a slew of races coming up this this uh, this coming weekend. So there's a lot to cover, of course, and I do want to thank you guys for being here each and every week. If you're watching along on Facebook, watching along on YouTube, please make sure you click that like button, click that share button. If you're on YouTube, click that subscribe button so you don't miss anything that we put out here at Drag Illustrated. If you're listening after the fact via iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever, Thank you for being here as well. It really does make all the difference in the world to have you guys join us. I mean, trust me, I'll happily talk about drag racing by myself for the rest of the afternoon, but it makes a big difference to have each and every one of you uh, join me as well as probably my, my two of my favorite people in the world, maybe. Well, at least one of my favorite people in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get up for my uh, partners in crime, Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's going on, fellas? What's up? Which which one is it, JT? Are we Sorry, gonna Mike, you're out. You're out, bro. Fight to the death on this, or what are we doing? No, it's definitely oh, no. you. You just got a promotion. <laughs> I think we made that promotion news like way long ago, right? Didn't we decide yeah. to do that back? Okay. Yeah, it's um, been. It, well, we we just didn't announce it. We didn't make yeah. it public. So, All right. somebody texted me about. it. I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was on a trial run. You wanted to make sure it was going to work first. <laughs> JT, did they text you about it? Like, surprised that it wasn't you, or like, <laughs> yeah, sorry about the bad news? I thought you I know I, when when they hear that I was employee of the month of the Kirksville division for so many months in a row, <laughs> it's, it it. it it begs the uh, question, like, why wasn't it me? Oh, man, discrimination. <laughs> you know, we, we did. We had a lot of uh, conversations about, honestly, just turning this whole thing over to you, T. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, we've, we've labored over it, and we just, you know, we're not quite there yet. But you know what? We're making a lot of progress, guys. Yeah. We're making a lot gonna, of progress. I changed the name to Party in the Pits. Party in the Pits. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I'm actually down with a Party in the Pits. Uh, uh, that, that would work, right? I think that would work. It would be. That's a new spinoff show. That's JT's new show coming at you yeah, soon. Man. You just signed yourself like up for it, shows. I yeah, have, I've got plenty of content. <laughs> oh my god, you you would have plenty of content. I did think you are, about yeah, you don't even doing have to do a version new. of the show where we just go to the racetrack and let JT do what JT does. Just you know, a, strap a GoPro on and right. Don't you think JT has fun? enough archive footage? He doesn't have to do anything. New. He can just put that together. We, play we it every have, week. We do have a ton of, of stuff <laughs> that, that back in the day we wouldn't show. <laughs> you know, like. 
Oh, don't ever show that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still hey, big on the don't ever show it. Ever since yeah, I've took never over, been big on that. Ever, yeah. ever since T took over as HR director, our standards have loosened quite a bit. Right. They really have. They really oh, have. There's only really one rule. Like, you just don't screw up worse than I do. <laughs> true. Right. True. I, it, it's true. Yeah. It's a pretty, it is true. It's a pretty low bar, so we're oh all Oh, my there. gosh, guys. Are you recovered from a, a long weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend? Did you guys have a – do you enjoy your holiday? What? Uh, tell me, what did you guys do? I partied. Shocking. <laughs> all weekend. <laughs> And I'm ready to do it again. Man, Are you shocking? I yeah. Am. yeah. No, it was what? a good weekend, man. Went to the lake a couple times. Uh, you got to go out. It's like the official first like lake day of the season. So, yeah. Uh, lake Norman was it was swamped? Jumping. Oh yeah, the water was like had like epic, you know, cowabunga waves or whatever white, you want to call it. Caps. White caps. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, do your kids Humunga get cowabunga. freaked out when the waves when the water gets rough like that? No, nah, man. Really? You know my kids, dude. They're crazy. They were like yeah. trying to jump in. Both my kids get shook. Like if we're, you know, we go out to the lake, Eagle Mountain Lake. We went out here a couple weeks ago and it's like early. If you go early enough in the day, it's real nice. Right. And it's it's the water smooth and it's it's enjoyable. And then when it starts, you know, a little after lunch and there's boats burning around and people are going to the little restaurants or wherever. My kids, I mean, poor Sophia, she's just like, you know. She yeah. she cannot stand it. So we have to kind of get our boating out of the way real early in the day and, and be done with it. Yeah, I launched a kid smart. so high once that he wouldn't even swim back to my boat. Like we had a pontoon <laughs> sitting over there too. And he just beelined. He was swimming to the pontoon. He wasn't even getting back on. But I mean, just like on a tube waves. or something. Yeah, it came together. And I mean, even I was sitting there going, oh, my God, <laughs> we might have heard him. What was the lake? When we were in Charlotte for the four wide nationals, Mike, was that Lake Norman that we drove across on that bridge when we went yeah. to Pat's shop? Yep. Okay. Actually, Beautiful we went, lake. we went under one of the bridges that you and I went across. Oh, okay. In the boat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Beautiful, beautiful lake. I've never really spent any oh, time yeah. on it. That's where Brett's house is, right? Yeah. The Southern part of that. Okay. So how big a lake is that? Huge, Do you happen man. to know? Like biggest 15,000 acres yeah. or something? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but there's like there's so much shoreline and it's the biggest, I think it's the biggest lake in North Carolina. I'm, I'm almost positive of that, but it's uh it's massive and it's just inundated with the growth of Charlotte and NASCAR. NASCAR really built the Lake Norman area and kind of built it into prominence. More all that Lake Cheddar Norman. coming in, all the that area, money right? coming in really changed things. And yeah. you can just ride on the boat and like the, the biggest houses are like, Oh, that's X X Y Z NASCAR driver. Oh, that's XYZ NASCAR team owner. You know, like it's it's pretty on display up there. I like, do you ever like cruise around the shoreline and like identify whose house is whose or do you know some of the locations? Yeah. The yeah. uh the, the folks that we went out with that that own the boat, they know a lot of the locations. So we, we scout them out and go and go see what's going that's, on there. Chris McCaffrey, we had to check out his house running back for the Panthers. He's right there on the lake as well. I'm sure it's like, is it like a shanty, a mud hut? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's single terrible. wide. It's maybe double yeah. wide. Terrible. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not that's, that's my dad now. Like, if you're at the Ozarks, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh... The only time your dad's ever given me a ride on a boat was when we drove around or boated around, cruised around slowly along the shoreline and, yeah, like, and house hunted. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was young, it was like he had, oh, this was in the shooter shootout. It went 109 miles an hour, you know, a catamaran. And then he had a twin engine and then I don't know, like, and he couldn't stand anybody to pass him, you know, we're Your going like we're blowing through there. And then now we're just, as he gets older, 
the slower we go, you know, oh, we don't uh, even need to get the boat out, guys. He hasn't gotten the boat out like the last half dozen times I've been to the Ozarks and I'm not bagging on him. But Joyce, your your stepmom, she would literally carry like a notepad of like the houses or like a little map of like what's for sale. It was like Zillow before Zillow was a thing. Like she knew as we were rolling along, rolling along. What do you say? Cruising along in the water. She'd be like, oh, that house, that's definitely right, you know, taking notes. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize we were going, like, house hunting. I thought we were they, going boating. You're, they, they, they move a lot. Like, <laughs> JT's dad, take that pad, throw it in the water. Yeah. <laughs> he, I guess he likes moving, too. I don't know. I, I hate yeah. moving. I mean, yeah. I absolutely hate it. I do, too. Hey, I mean, no well, desire you know, whatsoever. The other thing going on this past weekend. The greatest day in motorsports. Yeah, man. I wanted to get into that. Uh, before we do, um, I was going to tell you, that's probably the only NASCAR race I've watched in like 15 years. But here we go. I uh, I do want to throw this up. It was a huge, huge weekend in, uh, in motorsports. Mike, uh, you guys are much more NASCAR fans than I am. Uh, I'm not a big Indy 500 or IndyCar guy. I have gotten into uh, F1 quite a bit, but let's go through this a little bit before we dive into kind of our take on the situation. Sunday, what a day. To your point, Mike, it's an amazing day. It's a classic high tide lifts all boats day for motorsports. You kick things off with Formula One, uh, the Grand Prix in Monaco, and then we went to the Indy 500 in Indianapolis. So you start the day with some Formula One, have lunch with the Indy 500, and then wrap things up with the Coca-Cola 600 out in your neck of the woods in Charlotte. What was your guys' like main takeaway? I watched a lot of racing Sunday. I watched almost all the Formula One race, a whole bunch of the you have Indy to watch it, man. 500. You have to, right? You and a bunch early. of Coca-Cola 600 action. Yeah, 9 a.m. to Yeah, 9 a.m. to well past 9 p.m. Uh, it's it's all racing all day. Even if it's not drag racing, which we'll get into, but shout out to John Hall and Annette Hall, his wife who were at Monaco, and if you follow them on social media, they she documented the whole experience. She did a great I, job. I, yeah, I, I don't know uh, what spurred that. Just kind of like a bucket list deal, but that was pretty cool to see them. And then somehow Wes and I were in Indy and during didn't go the to Indy five hundred and then left and managed the... to uh, <laughs> to leave before the Indy five hundred. I don't know if we'll ever ever live that down. Well, so man, we were only in Indy for next week. We were in Indy for twenty hours, I think, <laughs> yeah, roughly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it was you could like, at least went and tailgated. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Uh, a couple of guys that we talked to at the event that are here from in the Charlotte area were on my flight back that day. So they were they were out of there before the 500, too. So that made me feel a little bit better to see some other racing people, you know, not sticking around. But I think every other person in Indy was there for the 500. So uh, one day we've got to do that, Wes. I want to do it. It's on my bucket list. I whenever I see those JT. pictures of the grandstands, it's man, JT, and JT, it's uh, you see Your those pictures lost of God, all those man. people, and it's like holy moly, man! Can you imagine that many people on the grounds to watch racing? Right? I mean, yeah. I do think it's kind of an incredible thing, and we don't probably talk about it enough because whenever uh, to have that many people impacted by motorsports in a single day. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we do got to talk a little bit about all the other races that go on that went on this past weekend. So maybe let's uh, let's let's touch a little bit on drag racing's representation this past weekend. Uh, the PDRA uh, American Door Slammer Challenge took place this past weekend at Summit Motorsports Park in Norwalk, Ohio. Um, that was our 
uh, drag racing's representation there uh, on Memorial Day. I'm curious, man. I mean, what more can you ask for right now from the PD from the PDRA? I mean, they have had they had a barn burner of a season in 2021. I thought it was really impressive the way they navigated the pandemic, uh, kind of forged forward despite all odds. Had a a banner year last season and have carried that momentum into 2022 from all uh, everybody that I've spoken with Mike JT the crowd was solid um, there was a lot of uh, interest great racing as usual I think the thing that drives me nuts about the PDRA is how they make I mean how many cars run 360s like don't you guys remember it wasn't that long ago that that was like a moonshot now pretty much every car in the pits runs 360s with seemingly zero issue do you do you know what i mean it's almost like we've become desensitized to the performance of these cars you know what i mean i, I think that's yeah. a good way to put it and they do that's such a professionally run organization with so many teams that are just doing it at the highest level that it makes this these extraordinary performances look routine and then you go to a facility like norwalk and, and a and a track surface like norwalk and you've got all these things and it's just what's expected, and and it is, it's it's being a victim of your own success or, or of making so it look too easy. We talk about that a lot because that's the thing is that it actually they've gotten to a point now where they do make it look easy. I mean, you just you watch, you sit down, whether you're in in person or you're there watching along via uh, Flow Racing's coverage. It's it's incredible one car after another and they do they make it look so easy and it's it's tough because a lot of times i'm like man we need perhaps more in-car footage we've got to do something to demonstrate how incredible all this really is because it's it's not happening everywhere in the world i mean you know what i'm saying like this stuff is far beyond Shout what i think anybody Wagnon. thought promod yeah. was ever going to be Doing yeah the there's nate right van wagon uh top end interview uh with the pro boost winner johnny camp who's really Man, that program has come a long way in a relatively short amount of time. And they're a top performer in the series. Met Melanie Salemi in the final, right? Yep, I believe so. Um, we would be, uh, it'd be almost illegal not to talk. How about Tommy Franklin in Pro oh, Nitrous? Yeah. Uh, I really did. I put all my money on Jimmy Winlights, Jim Halsey, and the team there out of Maryland to get the job done in Pro Nitrous. Uh, he met up with longtime rival Tommy Franklin in the Jungle Rat in the final, and Tommy put him on the trailer, sent him home. I think uh, that first... was JT's pick, right? Let's, let's give was. some credit yep. where credit's due. JT went with Tommy <clears throat> Franklin. Good pick. I went with Jay Cox. I got to talk to my buddy Jay, and I mean, he's yeah, let me down here. Every car over there in the PDRA too is just just beautiful. I mean, it seems like like you roll up, you're like, wow, you know, man. That's probably my biggest takeaway. Anytime I've been to a PDRA national event. It's hard to believe there are this many nice cars in a single location, let alone like it would be impressive if there were that many really nice door slammers in the world. But to think that there's a couple hundred of them every time the PDRA plants their flag, it's a really impressive thing, a testament to that group of racers. I think that may be some of the most, if not the most elite series, like from top to bottom in terms of machinery. If you go walk through the top sportsman pits, the the pro nitrous pits, the extreme pro stock pits, pro, uh, pro boost pits, pro street pits, even the machinery on the property at any given in PDRA national event is second to none, man. It's insane. The it rigs is. are insane too. I mean, stackers rolling in with, you know, juniors loaded. In them. I mean, <laughs> everybody, no joke, dude. everybody takes that deal seriously. So it's, uh, like I said, once, once you just kind of get acclimated to that, you, you start to lose sight 
it's like a forest for the trees thing of, of what of the you know awesome level of equipment and competition that you're seeing. Without question, the story of the weekend was Tommy Franklin winning Pro Nitrous and his daughter, fresh-faced door slammer driver Amber Franklin, also scoring her second win, going back-to-back. Really, really impressive performance from that young woman. We're getting a, a look at her right now on screen. So happy for her and what she's accomplished. And I, there's an in-car video that is circulating on the internet. I believe our buddy Kyle Christ at Straight Line Media produced it. But I was watching it. She's very calm in the car. She's really matter-of-fact about what she's doing. There's no fumbling around. There's no fidgeting. Just watching her put the car, and this sounds simple, I know, but watching her put the car in gear mm -hmm. to go do a burnout, there's just no second-guessing going on whatsoever. I and I, she had a cool quote in one of her, um, in one of the releases about the, I think her previous race, is that she studied her dad so much and watched him for so long and kind of up with it. went through that routine in her brain of what, you know, watching him uh, over the years growing up and, and watching him in pro nitrous that people have commented that her routine and her procedure is identical to Tommy's. And sometimes they can't tell if it's her or Tommy. I think in she the said car. that on the show here. Oh yeah. She, or maybe yeah. here was on yeah. the show. And it was, uh, I thought that was a really, really cool quote and kind of like, something that every dad would love to hear and and every kid uh, i know i did the same thing uh watching my dad you know just trying to pattern yourself after um after your your uh, parent that is racing so i just think that that's a cool that's another layer to the father-daughter element i find it interesting the difference between a, a driver that has spent a lifetime around the sport, someone like Amber Franklin, and someone who maybe has the resources but has just recently gotten interested, how much quicker that young person that has been watching for years and years and years, how much quicker their success comes, right? I mean, you see a lot of these well-to-do businessmen and successful business owners that take an interest in drag racing maybe later in life or don't have a really strong uh, motorsports background, they get in the car and it takes a long time to get that fluidity that I was just talking about with Amber, where they're, you're not in there second guessing, you're not fidgeting around, you're not you know, uh, letting the moment get to you, but you get these kids that have watched their dad make 60,000 passes and envisioned Man. it every step of the way. It makes all the difference in the world. For those watching, uh, listening in, yeah, what, dude. <clears throat> take, take me through, that was yeah. Tommy Franklin over by the center line, that final it round. Looked, it, yeah, it looked like Holy maybe moly. it could have been lined up a little bit, pointed to the center, or maybe just, you know, the more loaded up these things are, the more they're going to go left. And that thing, I'm sure, was loaded for bear, drove him left, and that thing set the wheels down at exactly the right time for him to be able to keep it in that lane. And kudos to him for, for sticking with it and getting the win there in the finals. Well, I think this is, uh, before we uh, move on to the rest of the results uh, this past weekend in Norwalk, I do want to touch on the fact that if there's any young ones out there listening or, or kids that aspire to be a part of this deal, use Amber Franklin as an example, because not only does I think she represent herself very well as a human being, she also has learned, has paid attention, has visualized it. I saw a video on social media on Instagram over the weekend of Top Fuel star Terry McMillan's son on the back of a golf cart getting ready to go run, make a pass in his junior dragster. And he was on there just visualizing, letting off the brake. You know what I mean? Like he was just going through those motions. And sometimes that feels like a waste of time. You know, I think there are so many of us, especially that 
so many people in racing come up with a blue collar background, right? And hardworking fathers and hardworking mothers. And it's hard to like sit there and think about something, right? Or visualize it. It doesn't seem like it's hard enough, enough of a challenge. You're not getting your hands dirty, right? You're not busting a knuckle, but spend some time thinking about those processes. More, uh, more often than not, anybody that I talk to that's gone through someone like Frank Hawley's drag racing school, it's never about the in-car stuff that I hear about after the fact. It's always the mental preparation. It's always the visualization that people rave about and talk about it really making a difference. And we're seeing it make a difference in Amber Franklin's career. Guys, right now, we also have to talk about J.R. Carr. We've got him on the screen right now. Really almost unbelievable. Uh, Who's, whose pick was that? I'm not sure. Yeah, I know. It was yours and <laughs> Nate's. I think no, uh, it was it was just me. Just I, me. Nate picked J.R. as well. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, Nate picked. I mean, well, JR how about as well. how about Tony Gillig in the finals? Oh, dude, and probably one of the best looking race cars. Why is it, Mike? You're an art guy. Why is it that that red and white is so good? For those that don't know what I'm talking about, Tony Gillig became famous in the in the drag racing world behind the wheel of a distinctly red and white, simply painted Oldsmobile Cutlass, raced the car in pro stock competition, a variety of different pro stock competitions, wound up most recently in PDRA Pro Outlaw 632, made the jump over the winter to extreme pro stock in a brand new Pontiac GXP, but he carried over that paint scheme. Mike, what is it about that red and white? Because I think it's Man, literally think it's, the best looking car maybe on the planet. I think red just says racing and yeah. red actually does trigger your brain into like excitement or intensity or whatever. And I just think it translates to racing very well. Racing red, man. I mean, that's Cardinal, ask, Rich, ask Richard Freeman about red. the bulldogs. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, and Richard, everything Richard Freeman owns is red. And I think that he has like a phobia against like blue or well, I'll tell you why any other I colors resale, resell red and no sell blue. Resale red. That, I, I that blue. is, I uh, if you're in the car business, you know those terms because it's factual, man. Resell <laughs> red and no sell blue. Oh, uh, there's, as we got a blue car. Yeah. And Sorry. hey, look, I like hey, quite a few blue cars. Two of them. <laughs> I'm more of a baby blue kind of guy or like a yeah. Lama blue or <laughs> Marina blue kind of guy. But uh, that Miller well, light blue shows up in drag racing quite but, a bit. But back it? to Gillig's car, not the Cutlass, obviously, is what well, you know top of the list as far as body styles but that pontiac gxp right up there man can't hard to beat a pontiac west knows that oh dude i think those gxps i hate that i mean i could go on a whole diatribe I'm sad, about I'm how still sad, sad it is pontiac. that pontiac's not a brand anymore because yep. some of the best looking cars of all time and, and if you compare and contrast a freaking like i love a, a good looking pro stock cavalier don't get me wrong but those pontiac gxps are about as sexy of a door car especially when we kind of transitioned into the sport compact or whatever you call that, like moved away from Camaros and Challengers and Mustangs. When we started getting into these compact cars, there's really uh, no doubt in my mind personally that the Pontiac GXP is the best looking one of all time. I do want to go back to our JR car conversation because man, oh man, did this guy have a whale of a weekend. And he has for quite a while here. Uh, Drag Illustrated Editor-in-Chief Nate Van Wagen told us Monday during our production meeting, or Tuesday, excuse me, JR Carr, incredible momentum. No, number one qualifying streak. He's qualified number one at all three races this year and all but one last year. 
seven out of eight last year, 10 total um, out of the last 11 events. That is an incredible stat. And he's kind of backed that up with an even more important factoid that he won the last two races. He won the NHRA uh, Mountain Motor Exhibition that took place at Virginia Motorsports Park a couple of weeks ago, backed that up with a win this past weekend in uh, where were they? Norwalk. What, what do you guys make of that? Is it, is it finally one of those things where he has just broken through? Go for it, T. I, I mean, I'd say so. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie, right? The numbers don't lie, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing. <laughs> Sorry, guys. we got a little bit of volume on that one. Uh, JR Carr coming out of the water box here. They've got a first-class program. And I think that this is another example of when one of these teams that are doing all the right things, the maintenance in the offseason, the maintenance between races, the organization and the approach, nothing but the best, really, really, really tough team to contend with here in 2022. And I think that he's he, he's come a long way as a driver yeah, in I recent months. And I think that's been the difference maker. He's all he's had a fast car and not to say, I mean, this guy's been around forever driving, oh but uh, sometimes it takes a while to get the two to, together and to mesh. And once he, he's one of these deals, we've talked about a few other racers like Brittany Force. Once they get their driving game down, match with the performance of their car, look out. I think we're seeing that in both those situations. I agree. And it's great for the class, in my opinion, to see JR having success because he's done so much to get this deal to where it is. God bless the Mountain Motor Pro Stock contingent, but at different times throughout the course of the last decade or longer, Man, they've, it's an interesting group of people, right? I mean, they all race very similar cars, but there's a lot of differing personalities. Everybody kind of has a different take on things. And this is a group that we've seen splinter at various times, right? Even at the height of it in the IHRA, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, uh, some of the glory days of Mountain Motor Pro Stock Racing there were moments where they would splinter, right? There were, moment, there were moments when things, uh, you'd have a group kind of defect or go off and do their own thing. Uh, we saw the, mount, the formation of the Mountain Motor Pro Stock uh, Association. We've seen the ADRL host Mountain Motor Pro Stock. We've seen PDRA host Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Before that, we saw the XDRL host Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Now we've seen the NHRA start to welcome these guys into the fray. And J.R. Carr has been a real galvanizing force. He's been one of the guys that's ringing phones, trying to get everybody to go to these events and support these deals, uh, especially the PDRA Extreme Pro Stock Eliminator. So it's great to see him kind of getting, getting to experience the, the reward of all this time and energy because I've seen a multitude of racers, as have you. Like uh, You're in close proximity to Justin Elks and the team there at Modern Racing. Mike, you've seen how much it can take out of you to try to wrangle these guys and get everybody swimming in the same direction. We've experienced it here with our own events, with the World Series of Pro Mod and World Door Slammer Nationals. It's a real challenge to get everybody on the same page, and it's good to see JR who spent all this time and energy and money on Mountain Motor Pro Stock, uh, spending a little bit of time in the winter circle as well. Yep. So, um, guys, here real quick, I would like to take a minute and remind each and every one of you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of Stroud Safety. What can you say about these guys? Tommy Cunningham and the gang at Stroud Safety are amongst the West Buck Show's biggest supporters. If you want the best in racing safety equipment from fire suits to seat belts and shoots to ballistic blankets, from 
and you want to buy Made in America products, call Stroud Safety today or check them out online at stroudsafety.com. If you follow that link, stroudsafety.com slash Wes, that's stroudsafety.com slash Wes, W-E-S, you'll be automatically entered to win a free set of Defender Series seatbelts from the team at Stroud. So make sure you check out that link. Guys, I do believe we have a special guest in the chat that is going to um, uh, be a fun one to chat with a little bit. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the man of the hour and perhaps the most accomplished and successful pro mod racer of all time, <laughs> winner of the inaugural World Series of Pro Mod in Denver, Colorado, took home a hundred thousand dollars. Let's get it up, give it up for Mike Bowman. Woo! Clap, hey, Mike. Yay! Okay. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks, guys. What's thanks. Up, yeah, you know that was. Uh, I was telling Marty earlier that was, uh, as of to date, uh, the most special race that that I've ever won. I mean, I just can't even tell anybody what how special that whole deal was and how it all came together and, and how the, the weekend ended like, Holy crap. Like nobody, nobody uh, expected that. I'm sure 14 days. If I think it was 12 days before the race, you were undecided on coming. Yeah. Yeah. We were, you, we talked and and we decided to to make a run at it. And and, uh, I I was just telling Marty, we were talking and I told him, man, I said, it was kind of funny because I was out, I went out I said, well, I guess we're going to go. I told my wife, Christy, I said, where are we going to go? Let me go get the car ready, and she comes out in the shop, and I got the trans out of it. I got the rear end out of it. I got all this stuff we're doing. She's like, you're not going to make that thing run. You're changing everything. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to change everything in order to make it work. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Like, uh, as soon as we unloaded the car, that's that's what I was telling Marty, too. I didn't, he didn't know this, but I said, you know, I said not too many people knew this, but I was the first car to go in the fives at over 250 miles an hour at Denver, in a door car and sporty Vandermeer, um, my best friend, Brian Strange, he, he walked over and he had the time slip and he handed it to, to Brian and he said, you know, I can't even say anything because it's a no time event. I can't say anything. <laughs> I can't say anything about how awesome this is right now, you know. But, um, you know, I wasn't the quickest guy at the end of the weekend. Um, I believe I was the fastest, but I wasn't the quickest. But, it, you know, we were consistent. And, and uh, what a race in the final uh, against uh, Whiteley. Uh, it was just amazing. And, you know, um, you know, we both had to pedal it and I knew that when I pedaled it, it was after him and, and he wasn't next to me. And I thought, okay, you're done. <laughs> that was it. So I was screaming in the car, you know, there, we had some in-car camera footage and, you know, we just started a YouTube channel and I'm going to get some of that up there. I, I, I promise. Yeah, Wes, you got to send me some of that you know, because I don't know yeah. that I've seen that in-car footage and I want to yeah. see it. Dude. Yeah. You're yeah, about to make sure. me cry. I got yeah. you know, <laughs> to. No, that. it was. We were all crying on the starting line together after that. I mean, it was oh, that moment just that <laughs> moment stands in time for me and my family and just, man. I, awesome. I can't say any more about that, you know? I mean, uh, to be honest with you, Mike, like, it, I feel the exact same way about that race. And, like, my, JT makes fun of me for, for crying, but, like, <laughs> that was – for someone like me, I'd waited my entire life. Like, everything I had done in my life – um, every, you know, nightmare situation with my business or nightmare situation yep, with yep. the magazine or fighting with racers about the rules, like it all in that moment, it was 1 million percent worth it. Like oh, yeah. I, that's all I had ever wanted in my life was to put on a race where pro mod cars are the show. There's no yep. competition. I wanted it to pay a hundred thousand dollars and it was to have it happen. I remember when Pete Farber did the first burnout in testing, right? Yeah, we had two yeah. days of testing and Pete Farber yeah. in his uh, 
uh, Daytona were the first car yeah. to crack a tire. And I, I got emotional during that because I thought, wow, it's happening. Like yeah. all this thought, all this time, all this stress. I mean, it, people don't know that I started making notes and started working on the idea that was the Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod in like 2011 was when I start, first wow, started putting yeah, the paper. Um, I, I started working on that. I literally was in a hotel room in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I would have went out there for the ADRL drag stock. And this was kind of like one of the ill-fated ADRL events. It was poorly attended. It, it had a lot of dysfunction and whatnot. And uh, I remember it got rained out, or at least Friday got rained out. And I went to my hotel room. And at this time, I didn't know that many people. or I don't know as many people as I do now. And I went to my room, and I was just sitting there kind of like bored out of my mind. And the World Series of Poker was on ESPN. And I started watching this, and I don't know shit all about poker, right? And I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, this is actually pretty – they got all these characters, right? They've got yeah, you yeah. know, the 10-gallon hat-wearing cowboy. They've got the trust fund baby. they got the mathematician. We, they got like the emo dude with black fingernails and all of that. Uh, and I'm watching. I'm like, man, they're really developing all these characters – we should do something like this for drag racing. And that's where the World Series of ProMod was born. I sketched the logo, uh, started coming up with my ideas on how I wanted to do it. I wanted it to be invite only. I wanted it to be winner take all. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to predetermine the first round matchups. I didn't, I, I mean, it, all these things and to have had it happen and then to have someone like you win it was well, I'm, a I'm, I'm really sure. special thing, man. Sorry, I'm I didn't mean sure. to turn this no, into No, that, th but. no, thank you very much. But, but, I mean, I'm glad you did. Like, I can't tell you over and over again, I'm glad you did. And, you know, we came back. Um, a lot of people don't know this, too, unless they watched it. But, you know, we came back for the second year. We crashed the car in between, got it fixed, and made it there for 18. And I ended up losing to, the, to, to Carl. And, you know, he ended up going on to win it. And, and I literally lost by inches. Like, it was so close. You know, I thought I got him. And I got him, you know, Marty come on the radio and say, no, nope, you didn't get him. And I, I was just, I couldn't, I was in disbelief, you know. And, uh, but, you know, it was an amazing race. Unfortunately, I didn't make it in the third year. Uh, we had another mishap, parachute problem, and uh, wrecked the car again. So, I would have loved to have been there for the third one. It just didn't happen. You know, I'd have been there if I could have. So, well, I know um, you would have been, man. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know that that ship has sailed. You know, officially, yeah. that is an event and a yeah. format that has really it's stuck in my mind and stuck in my heart. Uh, that particular type pro modified drag racing is it, to me. I've said it a gazillion times. People tire, get tired of me talking about it, but I've always believed that it's the universal language of drag yeah, well, racing. People know I mean, what I, it is. I, I mean, yeah, it's a big they do. deal. They do. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, I've kind of switched over to the No Prep Kings world and in Pro Mod, all the Pro Mod guys kind of knew who I was and stuff, uh, mo you know, mostly because of what little bit of NHRA I did. But, but the biggest thing was your race. And I still have a car. I did sell the OG Pro Mod. It went to Idaho in, in uh, a path to, to build a new NPK car, which we're still working on. We're getting close. We're hoping we're going to have it at the ninth race of, of this year. Uh, we're, we're, we want to win a championship. You know, these guys out here are super damn tough. I'm telling you right now, we're, we're, my goal right now was to be in the top eight, and we're tied for uh, – there's three of us tied for the top eight, myself, Lizzie, and Brandon James. And so we're kind of meeting our goals right now, and that's just basically keeping our heads above water until the new car – it's a Bickle car um, – until it's done. And once it's done – 
I feel like, you know, where we're losing right now by like inches or a half a fender or I'm, I'm barely getting beat. You know, Kai Kelly put, put a car on me. I got to say, um, that damn nitrous car is fast. You know what I mean? We just, we just barely don't have enough and you know, no complaints. It is what it is, but this old car is just not, not what it is. Um, this is super competitive, like beyond, I think what people think, um, it's I was going to ask you that, yeah. like before we, because I want to, I want to touch on the format of the racing. But for, mm -hmm. before we do that, um, as someone who has been involved with Pro Mod or Pro Street Racing yep. for a really, really, really long time, um, I, I personally think it's very telling that someone who has run NHRA Pro Mod, who has competed at the highest level of Pro Mod drag racing, yep. was enticed to throw their hat into the ring with no prep kings. It's a, I don't believe you have a ton of experience in no prep racing. I think the nope. first time I bumped into you at one of those races was one of your first times out. I'm just curious, yep. what was it, if you had to identify a couple of things, what, what was it the challenge? Was it the money? Was it the fanfare? What was it about well, the no prep kings scene that, that tickled your fancy? Well, I can tell you that, that uh, just curiosity more than anything. It's wow. like, okay, well, I've done the pro mod stuff and that's been, been awesome. Um, kind of wanted to continue doing it. Um, but they had this team concept that came out and, and I was able to get lumped into that team, the team California um, against team NOLA and team 405 and, you know, all the different ones. So uh, that was, that was something I wanted to do. Plus the challenge of it. Plus my, my pro mod was down um, getting fixed. So actually was getting a new one built at that time. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I want to go to a couple of these and, and just see what it's like, see what it's all about. I liked the fans. That was huge. I liked the people, some of the people I already knew. So it wasn't like it was a new thing and meeting, meeting people some ways it was some ways it wasn't. And I honestly thought I was going to go there even with the old car. And I'm like, you know what? I got something for these guys. I got a fast car. I know I do with the twin turbo deal. And I'm going to go give it hell. Well, I can honestly say that, that the challenge part kicked in because when we got here, you know, we're in Ohio this weekend. We're just the first one that, that we came to after me racing in California last year and coming here. And, I, you know, Giuseppe and myself, we were just talking about how we thought, okay, we're, we're fast. We know we're fast. We're going to go there. But we really didn't know the concept of the no prep on the racetrack. And all of a sudden we get here. And we're just shaking the hell out of the tires and like, man, this is, this is tough. You know, the track scrape, they've washed the track. There's zero prep, you know, yeah, it'll start coming around after you're racing on it, but to come right out of the box, race your way in, like there's a lot of challenges there. Yeah, there is when you're qualifying in a pro mod field, that's tough too. Believe me, I understand that whole deal this year. Well, you don't get any test runs. You don't get any qualifying runs. You know, that was something uh, they changed uh, that a little bit. That's tough. That was actually something that I wanted to ask you about because mm -hmm. it, that off the trailer notion is pretty foreign to most drag oh, racers. Oh, I mean, no matter brutal. where you're at, yeah. I mean, if you're a bracket racer or if you're racing the high school program, you're going to yeah. get some time trials. Yeah, right? exactly. You're, you're yeah, going to get a couple zero. looks at it. Yeah. Um, was that a hard thing? That, that was so hard. And it was so hard with with a combination, and I'll say this, I've said it to all the turbo guys out here because I switched in the middle of the season last year. I got with Brad Personette, I got with Proline, I got with Jeremy, Brad Anderson. We all, you know, put our heads together and like, okay, well, how long will it take? Planned it all out. How long will it take to make a switch? You know, when I left Ohio, as I was driving down toward Florida, I called Brad and we talked about it. And he said, man, I'm telling you. I said, well, I need you to come help me. You're the man when it comes to turbo stuff. 
you know, you've helped me with the success and all of what I had in, in the past and, and come help me and let's see if we can get this old car down the racetrack. And when he came to Florida to help me, we struggled. We still struggled. We tried things and we're like, man, this isn't going to work. You know, and I'm like, okay, Brad, so what's the decision here? Do we, do we make this switch? And he's like, yeah, like hundred percent, hundred times over, Mike, it's just easier to make that combination work. Um, you know, the turbo combination is, is so touchy in the way of track conditions and air. And there's, there's a lot more variables involved. So, you know, why not take some of those variables out of it, make the car a little bit lighter and, and head in the right direction. You see the success that, that the suit, the pro charger guys have had, you know, I mean, look at, look at what, you know, Ryan's done and, and all the other guys. So, you know, I went in that direction. And at that time, at the same time we started the, the process of a new car. It's like, okay, this is a decision we have to make. We know that this car was not meant to do this. This car is old. It was a nitrous car, you know, back matter of fact, that car won races, you know, even Charlie Carpenter, like that, he helped us. In 1995, you know, put pistons in my motor in, in the pits. You know what I mean? Like, the car goes way back history-wise. And, and um, you know, it was a nitrous car, legit. So the engine's not in the right place. It's too heavy. Like, there's so many things wrong with it. I'm not complaining. No, car, no, I get it. Car's man. fast. You know, we just, we need that new car. We, we feel like if I can hang on to the top eight and run with the baddest guys on the planet when it comes to no prep, because I, I sincerely believe that. I'd say it all day long to anybody. There's no slashes out here. You don't stand up on the starting line when you're getting ready to draw for chips and go, oh, I want that guy, or I want that guy. Now, there may have been some of that last year, and I'm telling you, I was one of those guys where, you know, they were hoping they'd get me, especially when they had the turbo combination. It was tough, you know, because you got to do it five times in a row. So this is like, right. this is like a, a, you know, it, it's a drawn-out deal, like, you know, it's survival of the fittest. Who can go five rounds and do it almost as flawlessly as you can five times in one day? You I know, don't just think like we did at your like, race. We did that at your race too. Same thing. Five rounds of racing yeah. is a game changer, man. And yeah. I, I can't, I couldn't believe how much pushback I got. So for those that don't know, the first year of the World Series of Pro Mod, it was a 16 car invite only field that we had so much interest in the event. For the following season, and this, I look back at this as one of my great mistakes. Like sometimes you got to own them, and mm -hmm. this was one of my great mistakes was expanding the field because I had so mm -hmm. many people ringing my phone after the first one looked so good and was yeah. successful. All these people were calling, going, "Oh, I want to come. Sorry, I didn't come last year, but I'm, I want to come next year." So, like an idiot, I expanded it to 32 cars. But you're, that fifth round, that extra oh, round of racing, is extremely difficult, and nobody really likes to hear about a 32 car field, in my opinion. So yep. to think about doing that uh, week in and week out. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about with it when it comes to no prep King. So first and foremost, uh, let's do touch on that no time format. We talked about yeah. the off the trailer nature of it. Hearing you talk about Kai Kelly getting you by a car. Yeah. I think that's kind of fun to say out loud. It sure yeah. sounds cooler than he clipped me by 400 or 400. Yeah. You know? yeah. It is uh I don't know what all you have on your car, and, and I'm sure you're able to get really close on what it's actually running, right? Um, yeah, I, I honestly believe it's running like a 390 right now. So, okay, so that's what makes it tough is we don't get a time set. We get nothing. We don't know what we're doing that day on this racetrack. Absolutely right. no clue. 
It's kind of crazy to me. Has that been like a tough pill to swallow? I mean, you've obviously had some experience with it now, but like, does it, is it okay at this point where you're pretty comfortable with it? No, not really. I still have struggle with it because, you know, we, we, uh, we don't often get any time to test at all. So now we're to the point where we want to test the car. So we got to wait until after the race and try to find a place. Well, usually I'm on an airplane flying home, you know, I have a business to run and family to get back to and everything else. So it's super tough and for, to not get a time slip, you know, something to compare, you know, you, you got to basically compare your run to time slips. That's where I think the guys that do tests have that advantage because, you know, if they're going to 385, well, then they can overlay their runs and they can strategize and go, okay, this is what we need to run. We need to run a 385, you know, and they're strategic. I'm telling you right now that, that, you know, when the day starts, track's not as good. Maybe they're shooting for like a 395, just to make a good clean run. No, unless you know who you're racing, you know, I say, if I race Kai Kelly first round, I'm throwing everything out, everything I got at it. And I'm hoping that he doesn't throw his 385 in it. I'm hoping he throws his 390 and he better beat me on the tree, that kind of thing. But um, I think based on what happened last year, some of the guys take me lightly and that's fine. That's okay. You know, continue doing that. So, um, you know, it just, it's tough. Like talking about new cars. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talking about a new car. We've seen a bunch of new cars here in 2022. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? Is that a, is that something that you see on the horizon as potentially being a problem eventually because it felt like a lot of the reason so many people gravitated from a fan perspective to Mm -hmm. no prep king style drag racing is the cars they still look like cars are not all super stretched out they're steel roof and quarters uh and i think more than anything kind of talking about your chevelle like they're old cars they're cars that have been around they're not the latest greatest state-of-the-art hot rod from jerry bickle or rick jones or whomever right do, you, do yeah. you see a problem on the horizon? Because obviously, based on uh, what well, we're seeing Ryan Martin doing, that's what it's going to take to win. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's already happened. So there's there's many guys that that, it, that have stepped into new cars or are stepping into new cars. So that that part that ship sailed. So um, they're already doing that. So the old cars kind of get put to the wayside, and that is the trick: is 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 taking that car and making it look like your old car. They've all done it. I mean, Daddy Dave's done it. He's got a top-notch car. You know, Ryan has a top-notch car. Scott got a new car. It's a top-notch car. I mean, you could just go on down the line. Lizzie's done it. You know, we've we've all pointed in that direction. Mine has just taken longer, unfortunately, than it was supposed to. So my goal was to start the season with the new car. But that didn't happen, just the way it goes. Do you have any concern, Mike, of it, like, running some people off eventually like the same way i mean it's part of it's the no. it's the evolution of drag racing heads up racing no i don't think so I, I i don't think so because there's so much there's so much demand for for people to want to come do this and it, yeah. if you come here it's it's more laid back the fans are super cool they're super excited to see you it's a little bit different when you've been on tv and and you've done that stuff you get a lot of notoriety you've got you know, that's another thing. Um, you know, I kind of worked, I earned my way in. Um, they let me in. They weren't real excited about letting me in. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, just because of what I had done with the pro mod stuff. And so my, I have a street racing background. I had the, the, the car to do it. And I, I did, I went to the street and I raced on the street. We did a couple of shows on the street. So 
we proved to him. And by the way, I, I thought going from a racetrack to that, I was going to be all nervous and, and oh my gosh, you know, what, what can I do here? And I wasn't a bit nervous. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to do this right now. So that makes me a little sick, I think, but um, it makes me a little I, sick. I, I mean, it. I'm going, oh my God, I, I yeah. think about the caliber of cars that are competing on like strips of pavement out, you know, in the boondocks somewhere and it, oh, yeah. it kind of makes my stomach turn, but I get it. I mean, that's where the action is. That's where the interest is yeah. right now. So yeah. like, let's look at this weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a, we're on the start of a four week back to back. Yep. One of the things that I've four in a row for the no prep King season five, uh, headed to Columbus. Uh, well, you're in Columbus right now at national trail raceway. Yep. What do you have to say about the professionalism that exists in this scene? Because I will be honest and I think you'll back me up. There's not a lot of pro mod teams that are prepared to race four weekends in a row. No, that's, I mean, and I say that about some of the guys, some of the guys really aren't prepared. Right. They're one breakage away from missing a weekend or two to catch up. Um, you know, I mean, look at what Swanstrom did. I mean, man, the credit I give those guys, I've never seen anything like it. So you've got guys like that'll prevail and you just, it's absolutely amazing. But, but yeah, some will struggle, um, but some will fight their way through it. Um, it's just, yeah, I can't tell you how tough it is. Four in a row is, is brutal. I mean, you know, you're rebuilding engines, you know, last weekend we were in Epping and in between one race to the other, we left Pennsylvania and we went to rough. No. Yeah. And the, the, my battery's going low, my, my earpiece, but, um, we had to, we had to rebuild the engine and, you know, the weather was horrible. It was rainy. It was windy. We, we, rebuilt the engine in the trailer in the bottom, you know, put it in the bottom of the trailer and put rods and stuff in it. So, I mean, you got to do that stuff, you know, on the road. And, well, and dude, I remember when stuff, the NHRA yeah. pro mod series had those three pro mod races back to back to back. It was like Charlotte, Bristol, somewhere, Norwalk or whatever. And it was three mm -hmm. races in the row. And you'd have yeah. thought, I mean, there was nearly a revolt because none of yeah. those teams really had the manpower, the resources. Yeah. I mean, just to get parts, and whatnot, and I, I always use that as a as an example to demonstrate how serious and how high level No Prep Kings has become. Because, I mean, yep. you start coupling four races in a row with a fifteen race series, that's high level drag racing. I mean, you literally, yep. no matter. I know there's a lot of jealousy and there's a lot of kind of like different opinions. The the street race No Prep thing is very polarizing in our space. I'm curious. Uh, we've seen this in the last couple of weeks with Manny Bajinga coming out and really making yep. a bunch of waves. Marty Robertson is there this weekend. Yep. This has been a highly yep. publicized debut uh, with the Badfish Barracuda. You've obviously been there. Yep. What kind of feedback do you get from like your your NHRA brethren and your traditional drag racing brethren about making the move to No Prep Kings and being so dedicated to this series? Do they support you? Are they surprised? Yeah, I think they support me and, you know, we're racing for a lot of money and, and, and I think they see that, um, for me, I want to win the race, you know, winning money, that's great. But, but I just, I want to win one of these races really bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to feel what it's like to win one because it is so hard. Like people, I don't know if they understand how hard it is and it, it, it's a special thing, you know, you know, I, I can only hope that it'll feel as good as it did when I won your race West, but it, I, I really want to win one. So uh, I want to win more than one. But but to do it in the next four weeks with this old girl is going to be really tough. Everything is going to have to go just right, and we're going to have to have a perfect weekend, and somebody's going to have to miss here or there. So 
that's just the way it goes. But this is super tough, and everybody kind of supports me. I haven't had any pushback, really. Now, the street race, and I, uh, some of them were like, you're absolutely nuts. And you, <laughs> you've hit your head. You fell on the ground. You know, somebody should be kicking you. You're like, what is wrong with you? You've lost your mind. And that's kind of what I get. <laughs> I might be of one the, of those guys. but Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, you, I don't know if you watching that footage, but I had a couple close close calls. I mean, I ended up in one lane. I had another guy almost hit me. He came in my lane. And I and I lifted, and whereas some guys didn't lift, and they ended up in the desert. So, for me, you know, guys are like, "Man, what do you think?" I said, "I, I was pedaling it and just pacing him, hoping he'd get out of my way so I could run around him. That's what I was thinking." So, I'm like, get the hell out of my way! But, but it is it is dangerous, and because there's no centerline rule, so guys aren't, it, you know, if guys are all excited and stuff, they're not thinking about lifting, which is crazy. You know, so yeah. you got to try to be in front of him. I chased him because I thought I'm going to go around him. There's no centerline rule. Yeah. No, no. On JJ's arm drop, there's no fastest in America. There's no centerline rule. Income no, and you're shit. laying in front of you, and you, you. So you could just like block. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> this could is a if you get but, but, but yeah, you can understand how dangerous that is and how bad oh, that's terrifying. Go wrong. And it did. It did happen. Yeah, we had one of our guys, you know, crash. He came in, and the other guy hit him right before it almost happened to me. So, moly, man. you know, they've got those guys got to be more sensible about where they're at on the road, just as you are on the racetrack and when to lift. And, you you know, I told the guys, they go, you guys know when to lift. I said, you know, I do. It's not worth it to me to, to have that kind of situation. Well, and that's a good thing for people to hear. And I appreciate you saying that on the show, because yeah. that's something that's a message that needs to be repeated a lot before we let you go. And I appreciate you uh, spending so much time with us today. But kind of last question. We naming yourself, Marty, um, Manny Bajinga. Are you yep. kind of anxiously awaiting to see who's next to show up? Um, over here? Yeah, yeah, I always am because, well, you never know how long the show's gonna take for for them to bring them up. It's a hundred percent their choice, and um, you wanna you wanna be really positive about it, which the, those guys are. It just it might take a minute, so. It may get frustrating because it was for me at first. I was like, man, why won't they let me in? You know, like I really want this, you know, and 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 they did, and 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 I'm just so gracious about it with them, and and I feel like I'm I'm fortunate to be one of these 40 guys that are doing this. It is a special place to be in. It's it's super special. Oh, Bill Miller wanted me to say hi and and make sure everybody knows he builds the best rods. He builds my rods and stuff. Absolutely, you know. And he's yeah. uh, he's yeah. one of our longtime supporters, yeah. man. Bill That's Miller. Right. They don't make too many That's like right. Bill Miller, man. Yeah, yeah. And also, I, I have started. I want to tell everybody, please um, go to go our YouTube, our Facebook, our Instagram. We've got that going now. It would really help help us uh, get this going. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel, Mike Bowman Racing, on YouTube. Like I'm and going subscribe, to subscribe right now. That would be awesome. Everybody could support me. That'd be awesome because I want to be out here doing this for as long as I can. And, and it, it takes big dollars to go do this. And it's tough, you know, to do it. And, and just the way fuel is and everything else. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. It so, really is, man. Yeah, well, we were yeah. so excited to see you having this moment. We want to see yeah. you in the winter circle as well. Make us proud. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only Mike Bowman. Right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Woo. Dude, I, I didn't honestly uh, anticipate that being uh, that was a great a great interview. What a, I love talking to Mike Bowman. He made yeah, he's me, a good great, dude. He's, he's great one of my favorite people, man. <clears throat> he's got that California, yeah, that California cool. cool like just mm -hmm. he's nothing is he's never overwhelmed by the moment. Just kind of no, taking never. it a day at, at a time. But he's been around forever. He told that story about my dad. Uh, 
when my dad was out in California, I guess, uh, you know, helping him on a nitrous deal. It's kind of sad. All the, all the great racers have migrated from nitrous to other combinations, but it's great it to see. Sad. It's great to see Mike out there still fighting the good fight and looking forward to seeing him get out with that new car. It's going to take a new car like that to be competitive in this series. Yep. JT, we just saw um, Dean Carnes uh, release his new car today, a new CTSV. Um, Swanstrom just went screw blower. You <laughs> never know what these guys are going to do. You know what I mean? Like it just, you can't just roll the old stuff out there anymore. Did that break and, your heart, Mike? Did, did you, you were looking forward to maybe him going nitrous, weren't you? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that for the same reason I just said, I knew that was a long shot. So it makes more sense to, to hear about the screw blower, but it's uh man, it's that deal. It's, it's going to be the number one thing to watch is, what caliber of cars continue to migrate that way and what it continues to do to raise the bar of being competitive in that series and how do they balance that? It's interesting too, because if you think about it from a rules perspective is I've talked a lot over the years, we all have about how, if you go out and build like a, 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 a late model pro mod car, there's a lot of places to race it. Right. But that's not the case. If you go out and build a state of the art, Street Outlaws, no prep King's car, right? Because you, you've got a, a close to factory wheelbase within a couple of inches and a steel roof and quarters, a much heavier car. You can pretty much only use it there, right? I mean, other no prep races, I mean, that's going to be the focal point of your those existence. Those races you know? are popping up everywhere. Oh, they are. I mean, they're they are, they are. But how cool yeah. is it to see? I was just watching this video while you were uh, doing your interview, Wes, of, of Dean kind of did a walk around of his new car to see a, a pink cadillac ctsv with like uh airbrushing You're supposed to send me some pictures of this thing and it's and unbelievable it's all paint the whole deal with a gigantic screw blower hanging out of it i mean just <laughs> it looks like a hot wheels car and that's that's what we want that's what we need to get back to we need that insanity you know i remember how insane people used to look at you know uh randy moore's lamborghini pro mod and and just with the big blower hanging out of it scotty can your dad's machines. 55 chevy and yeah, like my all dad's scotty car Kenny's was more car, understated yeah, but it, it was like all of them had this appeal like are you serious like you're gonna stick a a, a blower in that thing or you're gonna drag race this thing i mean that <laughs> that was the appeal of it and now it's gotten so streamlined so aerodynamic so you know flat hoods um quiet cars you know if you're talking about turbos you know, stuff like that to where you need like swanstrom in the in the, his video yesterday if you watched it talking about he said i don't care if this thing ran like shit i don't care if it's a turd i'm i'm never going back from a screw blower just the way the thing feels and he sounds how loud it was in yeah. the car yeah like his satisfaction of driving it um, this is saved for the much later in the show. I thought this was a super yeah. interesting thing. The way uh, I didn't expect this. I had heard some rumblings that he was going to make a, a change. Uh, but this, the change inside of a week, if you think about how hard these guys have worked the last month or so, they, they may never recover from yeah. the effort that has been they're, put into they, this they program tradition of that meme uh with uh joe exotic i I'm, i will never financially recover from this that's right it's <laughs> so true right i mean i start to think about switching this thing over a rebuilding the car inside of a week hank it, absolutely yep, spectacular brought in, deal brought in hank and lee white to, yep. to get them pointed in the right direction on this thing which is a good move 
And they and they look like they are pointing in the right direction on that thing. I mean, it oh, looked yeah. like it was laying down some licks. I mean, when you watch that, look at the smile on Justin Swanstrom's face here. You can tell that he's kind of like caught. He knows that he has surprised people, uh, which I think is a really cool thing to see him so genuinely happy and to see him like that excited after all the work that they've gone through in, in recent weeks. It's really incredible, man. Drag racers, it's a unique group of people. I'm so proud in these moments, especially a young guy like that. I was actually talking uh, to, to my son about it. Max, it's like, dude, this guy is a YouTuber. You know what I mean? That's a drag racer and he's earning a living doing it. It's a really, really incredible thing. And I'm super happy for him. But yeah, man, I don't know what to make of the, the screw blower deal. Uh, I guess the willingness to change. He talked about it in the video. If you follow him on uh, YouTube, he went through a whole thing about how, you know, the engine itself is no different. They've got to get used Which to the maintenance. I think and all that's that an stuff. interesting uh, thing. And maybe everyone's not aware of that. And that's why, um, we, we were having some conversation with uh, big country over the last couple of weeks. And, and he was hinting at, at this and, and talking about, he was, he was joking with us talking about going with a nitrous combination, but the way that that would change everything in the car because of the size of that engine, whereas that car set up for the length of that five, you know, five twenty six Hemi, uh, Hemi block. And, and you can just take the, take all the stuff that was hanging out front and put it on the top of it now. And, and, <laughs> And, and make it work without having to change. I mean, they had to change a lot. And uh, Justin Elks Modern Racing took care of a lot of that within uh, the window of a week. So, I, again, another crazy effort. That that crew over at Modern Racing has been tied at the hip with Swanstrom and these crazy, you know, Oh, dude, man. And, and I mean, it's a group of people burning the candle right. at yeah. both ends. You know what I mean? Like, the this level of dedication is... I mean, you just don't see it. I mean, even at the highest levels of drag racing, I, I don't know that you're going to see someone completely switch their power plant around, rebuild after a week. It's I know it's gotten a lot of attention, and we've talked it about it, talked about it a lot. But we have to, man. This is a big deal. People don't understand the amount of work and money and time. I mean, these are twenty plus hour days to pull this off, and to see them like, there's a lot of teams that prepare for a year that don't string together two or three good looking test runs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Let alone yeah. unloading this thing a couple of days ago with no prior experience. Obviously, like you said, Mike, they brought in Hank uh, Jackson and Lee white to, to help get them acclimated to the screw blower deal. But it really is an impressive thing. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's not lost on me. The dedication that think, that team think how, has, think how has different the times are though. You know, you can do these crazy turnarounds, you know, bust your ass and, try to get this thing back for the next week because you know i mean you're gonna you're gonna sell t-shirts at the next track right and when you're hot and you, you want you want to be there the next time yeah you, know, you, you don't want someone miss. else to take that spot right and then you also at the same time we're, we're in it we're in a time with all these youtube channels and everything that you're creating all this content right i mean you're gonna have all this content from from doing all this crazy stuff so justin said they actually cool. just just brought on another team member to capture more content that he's you know he was doing it himself That's very smart and yeah. he's and he's so busy that he can't capture everything that he's wanting to even though he probably does the best job of anybody out there right now of of uh getting all this content but yeah you're right jt as far as technology and i mean this car just just think about this this like car built from the people by the people right <laughs> well yeah exactly i mean not to mention everything that went through last year but then this year and then is is wrecked and on fire and gets repaired in four days goes up make you know competes 
in New England with the Pro Charger, then comes back, changes combinations, and, and is out the next week and without ever having missed a race. I don't know that that's ever happened, and I don't know that that could have happened 20 years ago, to your point, JT. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think it could have. There's no chance that it could have. The other part of it is... How smart is he to see this as an opportunity to capture content? We talk about this all the time, but racers tend to want to think that the only story worth sh sharing or the only story worth telling is that of success, right? Of setting records and winning races. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but Justin hasn't won a race yet this season, yet he's most assuredly been the talk of town since the start of the year by creating all this content and telling his story and sharing that struggle. People like relate to other people having problems and fighting the good fight and fighting an uphill battle way more so than they relate to some guy that just never has any struggle, seems to always have everything go his way or her way. It's a really smart approach. Which is, and I which wish is more everyone, racers would do it. It seems like everyone in drag racing wants to have that approach of perfection of you're never going to see me struggle. I'm rolling out there day one, or I'm not going to promote myself until I'm out here setting, setting records, records and winning races. And, and we've talked about that a lot. And Swanstrom is a, is a great example of that. It's something that I think is important, and I, I can't wait to see what comes next from this dude, to be honest. And we've already bounced down to uh, the end of uh, my notes here, but I want to, we might as well talk about. You know, about, we're going to wreck these notes. Oh, dude, it's, on uh, here, it, it's unbelievable to work so hard to keep us <laughs> on track and then just have none of it go to plan. Real quick, let's just talk about uh, the fanfare. JT, you were talking about t shirt sales. No Prep Kings rolls into National Trail Raceway in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Uh, they had a massive turnout at this event last year. Huge fanfare, especially for a track that doesn't get used as much as some other facilities. Big, big turnout of fans at this event. What's your That's expectations for right the there weekend? on screen? That's a good looking ride right there. And I think that thing's for sale. Right <laughs> I think now. it is, too. Go buy it, Mike. We should. Can we get that? Can we? Can that be the DI project car? Yeah, well, I, I twist my arm a little bit. You know what? <laughs> this one hurts, so don't twist this one. But no, I just think it's an interesting thing. I remember talking to Troy Coughlin a couple of, about a year ago, maybe a little over, when the No Prep Kings series went to Columbus for the first time. He went out to the race, and he couldn't. He was so excited about it. He's like, man, the energy, the enthusiasm, all the fans, the action in the pits, the merch sales, the autograph lines. It's, uh, it's, it's no wonder the Manny Bajingas, the Marty Robertsons, it's no wonder that these guys are making this move because let's be honest, the ego of the, of the drag racer is significant. And to be able to go be a part of this and be the center of attention and be the star of the show. I don't, I mean, I think it means a lot to racers. Do you guys think that that, you know, means enough to see Absolutely. people go over there like an abandoned ship, maybe somewhere else where they're playing second fiddle to another class? We've said that, we've said that about the NHRA. Like that's why that they, that people have wanted to be in the staging lanes with John Force and in front of these big crowds and why they do go race that series um, instead of maybe a series that treats them better, you know, over on the other other end so i don't know i mean i mean i think that anytime in sports and any type of sports you, you want to compete in front of crowds of people you want to compete on the biggest stage you want to you want to be the man you want to you want to beat the man you know so i i think for sure that's that's got to be one of the biggest things that's that draws people over to this yeah man i agree totally it's we don't talk enough about racing in front of big crowds but i think that 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 is what I think the sport was built on, and I think it's what a lot of our, a lot of the biggest hitters and, and, 
I mean, I, I think it back like when my dad was racing, how amped up he would get in front of a big crowd. It doesn't matter what the payday, even if that big crowd was at Farmington Dragway on a Saturday night, if the place was packed, the fans were engaged um, and, and excited, that's what it's about. That's what MPK I think is doing as well as anybody right now. I agree, man. And that's one of the things that I wonder, like, do you guys have any uh, thoughts uh, or feelings on what can be done for some of these smaller sanctions and series or some of these events that struggle to, to get a big time crowd? Because we've seen it be a difference maker. I mean, we, Mike Bowman just told us that, like, I want to win one of these races. Like, I want, you know, to have that moment. I don't care what it pays. I want to win one of these big races people are talking about it it's on television is there something one of my the notes that i had was kind of like thoughts on our collective thoughts on event stacking i mean that's something that we've seen be very successful with some of these uh with these some of these event series like um i'm thinking of keith haney's midwest drag racing series last year they rolled into us 131 motorsports park paired with the um uh funny car nationals and it was like yeah. having all that in energy and enthusiasm at one event really made a difference for that group, you know? And I just wonder if that's something that we should see more of. I mean, what do you guys make of that? I mean, like the race within a race format. I think it works in certain situations. Uh, if it's a good compliment, I think if it's a bad fit or if it's something that's not attracting the same crowd, but if it's, it's sort of like an opening act and your main act at a, uh, a concert or something to where, I've seen many opening acts and become the main attraction. So you've got, but you've yep. got to get that, you've got to get that exposure in front of a different crowd to kind of get that momentum going. And so I think if, if you have an established series that's kind of willing to lend a hand or share space with, with a growing series that's trying to get off the ground or reach a new market, that it can work. Um, I think that it always gets a little bit, uh, dicey though as far as when do you separate when do you go right. separate ways when do you break out on your own can you survive on your own uh as an well, independent event a lot of egos involved too yeah when jt i'm glad you said that, that because you we've know? seen that i mean i remember every time we've had a big meeting between like sanctioning bodies or series and you start talking about ways to work together nobody wants to play nobody wants to kiss the ring nobody wants to play second, they don't want to play fiddle. second fiddle yeah, yeah yeah they want to be hey we're the big attraction we're the the stars of the show but if you think about it is clear as day to me that racing in front of fans money is obviously a motivator but i don't know that i've if I had to identify one thing that I've heard from racers years and years and years and years and years and years in a row over and over and over again, it's like, man, there's nothing like racing in front of a crowd. Um, that, that makes all the difference in the world. So I guess when I put my promoter hat on, here's some footage that we're showing right now of a, one of the classic examples of a race within a race, the Big Bud shootout, um, which was a very successful thing that actually went away for a couple of years. And this is a little bit of a different example, but it's the it showcases the the notion of a race within a race. Like, hey, there's a big event happening here, but we're going to have a special uh, performance. Like you said, like a like treat it, if you see it like a concert, it'd be like having, I don't know, your Aerostone and I don't know some other big Bruce Springsteen's going to come out and play three songs. Right? It's a big deal. It adds to it, and I think that this format is being slept on because if I'm some of these other sanctioning bodies that are struggling with fanfare right now. Who can we marry up with? Who can we partner with? Who can we take advantage of, of their stage? I saw this actually when I went to that GT America road course race a couple of weeks ago in New Orleans. The Lamborghini uh, group was there and they were basically participating 
at this GT America event, sharing space, sharing overhead and sharing like the pain and the expense or whatever of renting a facility for a weekend. And they were just borrowing the opportunity or taking an opportunity to race with them. I'm surprised we don't see more of it. I mean, you're right, Mike, there becomes a point where like, does this marriage make sense? Then there's a, a point of when do we decide to splinter off and do our own thing? But man, I think about it resonates. It just rings in my ear over and over what our friend uh, Jack from CycleDrag.com told us a couple of weeks ago here on the show about Larry McBride and how many motorcycle passes he's made that were historic monumental happenings, but they kind of happened in front of friends and family. Like, why not yeah. pair some of those events with big events? Maybe work with an NHRA or work with some of these other sanctions in the series to get in front of the crowd. I think if, I think if you're a small, like a, a motorcycle organization like that that tends to have a smaller field and, and a smaller reach anyway i think it's a perfect fit it's almost like an exhibition yeah and i think that's what, where nhra what they were seeing when they brought him in a few weeks ago but uh yeah it's it, we've it's seen tyler crossnow do that with, yeah. with some some bike uh, clubs and, and different things and and it worked out well i mean he did it at uh outlaw street car reunion several years ago and it was oh it, i remember that yeah, yeah it, it went over really well what do you think wes this kind of makes me think a little bit too about uh, the ASO situation, the alternative sanctioning organization program that NHRA has. And I remember when ADRL got the ASO certification way back in the day, that was a big deal. And I know PDRA has ASO certification, but I think that, I mean, I'd have to look at the, I forget what, uh, what website you can go to, to check that out. But I think there are only like one or two others besides PDRA there that are ASO certified. Um, and, and I wonder what what's the thought process behind that? Why more organizations don't do that or pursue that anymore? It's a great question, man. And I honestly don't have the answer. I mean, I, as I I've thought about this all week because I did prepare notes and I was like so excited to like work in order and we've completely obliterated them. Um, but I've thought about this all week. Like if I'm in HRA, is there not an argument that could be made? You know, they're always like bringing in sideshow acts, right? They're bringing in these exhibitions and whatnot. So what if, I mean, still to this day, I think perhaps one of the most talked about happenings in the history of the Midwest Drag Racing Series, formerly the Midwest Pro Mod Association, was when they ran those cars in conjunction with the NHRA Fall Nationals at the Texas Motorplex. That was a huge moment for each and every one of those Midwest guys to go race, JT, to your point earlier, to be in the staging lanes with Ron Caps and John Force, to be on the track in front of this huge capacity crowd at the Texas Motorplex. And I started thinking to myself, kind of uh, leaning into your ASO conversation, or your ASO question, Mike, wouldn't it be cool if the NHRA earmarked like every event was going to showcase one of these alternative organizations, alternative sanctioning organizations, because a high tide does lift all boats. And what could you do? I mean, and I, and this is where ego gets into play because nobody wants to be like, I don't know, baby brother or be brought in and have the NHRA kind of put their arm around them, but man, be told what to do or that, yes. Oh, you know, we, we're, we're going to be in lockstep with an HRA. I feel like that is a lot of it that, you know, we, we're anti NHRA. We're, we're yeah. going to do something different. And I feel like, um, I feel like NHRA doesn't even really promote or publicize that ASO, uh, function anymore. Well, I think about like, I mean, I don't mean to go, this is like a deep down the rabbit hole type of deal, but think about it in terms of what if, what if instead of, we've heard for a long time that there was this belief system someday, the NHRA would separate its sportsman series from the pro show. 
right? We've seen everybody talks about it all the time, the ever shortening attention span of the, the American consumer or the consumer around the world. People, JT, you talk about it a lot when you make yep. your uh, stick and ball sport comparisons that, man, people want to get in and get out. Right. I mean, uh, three, four five hours. That's a full day to most people. They got other stuff they've got to do. And drag racing has always kind of struggled in that. And there's been some belief that at some point the NHRA would separate their pro show from their sportsman series and kind of run those as separate things. I'm not I don't want to take a stand right now. I'm not ready to die on that hill, you know, for whether or not <laughs> I think that that should happen. But I will say that I've had thoughts about if they did choose that path and they had, say, 22 events to work with over the course of the year, it would be spectacularly cool to see a slew of those events, especially the ones where they have the real estate, where they have a large facility like ZMAX or VMP or Dallas or whatever. When the opportunity exists, why not bring in PDRA Pro Boost and Pro Nitrous? Why not bring in NMCA Super Street and um, uh, da, 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 like ex Extreme Pro Mod? Why not bring in the motorcycle thing? Why not bring in some radial tire stuff, whatever, and, and try to wrap your arms around all these people because giving all those racers, I mean, it's going to improve the turnout at their regular events that happen on their own. You know what I mean? Like the NHRA National yeah, event, the Virginia Nationals featuring PDRA, yeah. Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost, and you bring some of those guys, get them to race in front of a big crowd, make it so that you're only eligible to do that if you're a, if you compete in all the races or something, right? I mean, you, I just think that there's some ways that if we could get everybody together, man. A high tide does lift all boats. We should turn you know that into happen, a drinking though. game. You know what's going to happen is, like, if you, if you did do something like that, the – you know, you'd have some bad weather or oh, yeah. something would happen and, and they the wouldn't be able to run them crunched. And yeah. then, and then they're, they're the first to go. And then I'm like, never again. And here we go. You know, so right. then, so yeah. that one's out. <laughs> but I, mean, I think going back, I was talking about the unique group of people that exist with mountain motor pro stock earlier. They're a great example. They want to race in front of a crowd, a huge crowd so badly that they're almost willing to, they're, they're basically willing to pay to do it. Yeah. Right. I mean, and go do it at the NHRA. I mean, they've got probably one of the best programs that exist in the PDRA, right, with extreme pro stock, yet they would still rather pool their resources and pay to play and pay their own purse and have to find their own sponsors to go race in front of that crowd that shows up at an NHRA national. They're level. they're still chasing the high from the IHRA yeah. glory days. Correct. And I think that that is what what they want to get back to. Um and the PDRA deal, I think, is is great, but yeah, they're they're still, you know, willing to splinter. I think that has been a big issue with that class is is the splintering of it and kind of devoting resources here and there and can't really get everyone on the same page. And that's why we all love Mount Motor Pro Stock, but it's stagnated. I mean, the performance is stagnated, uh, and and the class in a lot of ways is the same as it was twenty years ago. I, I know we're probably going to catch some heat for that, but because some of that's good, because advancements some of that have been is made. Good. Yeah. We talked about that in the past, where that has that is good, and that's what that's where people that have ten year old stuff on projects can can you know load their stuff up. Because part of me, does, I mean, there's a part of me that really does think that that's a exceptionally positive part of Mountain Motor Pro Stock. Yeah, is that it's I mean, been, it was still it was kind of ahead of the curve or ahead of the game in those IHRA heydays, which I guess we're seeing here footage here from those days. Uh, but the splintering of it and everything I think has, has hurt it 
But I, I do think it's it's relatively healthy or as healthy as it has been in the last few years. Right. I now. think it's super so it's good healthy. To see it. Right now, but I do think that there's like a lesson to be learned. There's a significant takeaway that I mean, we and there's the examples are endless. They they start. I think probably one of the most famous examples would be the NHRA Pro Mod series. I mean, that started as an exhibition. It was a completely pay to play deal. Racers were sponsoring the series. Racers were pooling resources to pay the purses and pay the points fund, uh, organizing their own banquet. I mean, they were literally renting time from the NHRA essentially yep. and, and renting the opportunity or renting the track for two or three sessions a day. And they were doing that all in the name of racing on the grandest of stages and in front of a big crowd. Man, I'm pretty sure you see, I think that's jock. The, that is the uh, race with the grays. And I think, I, I don't know what team he's working with now. Jock. And is that, it was Rich Jones. Lot, there standing in the background. Who's, who's that checking the wheelie bars on this car? There's a mm. lot of, a lot of faces. Oh, dude, clip. there's Jerry Haas standing there. Like, I think he may be wearing the same outfit um, as he is now. Uh, he's he's kind of got a distinct look. The black Levi's, yeah. uh, the belt, boots. Uh, uh, well, anymore, I think I wear, see him wearing tennis shoes. That's, yeah, definitely, that's definitely Jerry Haas standing yeah, behind the car. Jerry Haas. But no, I think that these, and I don't mean to like labor over this, but it really is like, are we not paying attention to how important it is to have fans there? I mean, there's all this, people get up in arms about the free ticket approach. And I understand there's some arguments there, the caliber of fans that come out to a free ticket event. Uh, th there's an argument that can be made against it for sure, but we've got to be doing something to get more people out to these races. Some of the best racing going on in the country right now is happening in front of you know, 500 or 1,000 people, a few thousand people. I mean, what's the harm? The thing I think I get kind of up in arms about is you don't have to tell everybody you're giving tickets away. Don't tell anybody, yeah. matter of fact. But go give 5,000 of them away. Go do it. Go give 10,000 of them away. This is not – it's not uh, – unheard of back in the day they used to give out free tickets to elvis concerts and if <laughs> right. and you know what i mean they would give out free tickets to see elvis presley they would take seats out of the arena that elvis presley was playing in because for media reasons and public relations reasons they didn't ever want elvis to perform in front of anything other than a sold out crowd they knew they were going to get a better performance out of elvis a Right. People were going to be talking about how packed it was and how many people were there. And they knew the next time they came to town, they were going to have very little issue. Right. Selling tickets because the place was packed last year and everybody was talking about it. Um, there weren't any more seats. Drag racing needs to take a lesson from those playwright days and those early concert promoter days and paper the house. Why not give away a gazillion tickets? Because that's clearly a difference maker to these fans or excuse me, to these racers, they want to race in front of a bunch of people. You've got the NHRA and No Prep Kings taking our racers away from other sanctions and series, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to compete, I think the number one thing to do, everybody gets goes crazy trying to pay more money or get bigger trophies, but dude, spend that money on printing tickets and give them away. And you don't got to give them away at a, you know, outside a Greyhound bus station or a liquor store. You know, you, you can go give them away at a children's hospital. You can go give them away at a cancer center. You can go give them away at a car dealership. You can give them away at a parts store. You can go get the right people out there and get them to come out. And maybe they buy some shirts and support your races um, and support your racers. But more importantly, they feed the ego. That fanfare feeds the ego of these racers. And that is a critical function. Like, Mission critical. You want to keep these guys coming back. You want to keep them happy. You want them to quit bitching about track prep. 
Put 10,000 people in the stands. Put 5,000 people in the stands. <laughs> and you'll probably never hear another thing about the track or the schedule or anything. Because oh, you, you can blame it on. Oh, well, you, you might. <laughs> but you could well, blame it on the crowd. To it. Well, they, when they get used to racing in front of that big yeah. crowd, yeah, then, then all of a sudden. They just move on to the next thing. Yeah, they yeah. move on. For sure. Which, I, sorry, Department of Corrections. I said Jock. I meant Jep Trammel. Oh, you should get corrected yeah. in the comments? No. Yeah. I corrected oh. myself. Oh, Jock, Jock is is Steve Johnson's. Yeah, I thought motorcycle. that's who you were talking Jep, about. Jep is the is a pro stock, longtime pro stock crew man. So, Jep, if you if you're listening, I, I got you corrected. <laughs> anyway, I don't I don't mean to get on like my high horse about this, but I just feel like golly, it, what's the lesson to take away from the success of the MPK series specifically? People want to race in front of a crowd. Yeah, people, the racers are egotistical well, in got, a good way. TV there too. So, yeah, but yeah. that's that's an extension yeah. of the crowd. It, it is extension. It's yeah. an extension of the crowd. I mean, what a, I see is stage. racers want to be. I mean, and it's honestly been our song and dance since two thousand five. Um, we talked about that. I mean, I actually talked about it on social media earlier this week that this issue of Drag Illustrated. Shout out to the DI team. DI one seventy six, our annual Women of Power issue, is going to be mailed to more people than ever in the history of our company. Our mail, our print run is the biggest we've ever done. I think we used over 7,000 pounds of paper to print. It'll actually be closer to 10,000 on this issue because it's 136 pages. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the biggest issues. It's the biggest issue we've printed since 2017, Mike thinks. Um, but I mean... No, uh, yeah, it's 2017. It's our biggest issue since DI-115. No joke. Yep. Biggest issue in 60 it's, plus issues. Yep, which is over five years over five years but i that we've been trying to do that because we recognize like that's why we put people on the cover of the magazine we do these big photo shoots and all that stuff because we know that it speaks to racers it moves the needle that's we all whether it was in high school or our local hangout or the the drive-in or the parking lot you wanted to be the rock star you got you want to be the guy with all eyes on you that's why your car is nice that's why it's loud that's why it's fast that's why it's low to the ground it's got big wheels you want to stand out and I think that there's uh, just I, everybody, I think the ADRL maybe kind of put a bad taste in some people's mouth over the free ticket thing, but they were so loud and proud and forward about it, right? I mean, every conversation started with free tickets, free tickets. We give away free tickets. I wonder if you could marry up those approaches. Don't say anything about it, but give away 50,000 tickets. Nobody's yeah. going to be talking about whether people paid for the tickets or not. They're just going to be talking about the place being upside down and on fire with people everywhere. That'll be the story on Monday, not how much the revenue was, not how many ticket sales there were, right? Just that the place was packed. So anyways, um, guys, real quick, I do want to remind you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. Tell them we send you. Guys, we've, uh, we've got a ton, unfortunately, left to cover in a relatively uh, short amount of time. Right, I believe. let's blow through it. Okay, we came through. We came in. I want to share this with, uh, with, with uh, everybody. We came into today's episode with one, two, what is this, seven, eight things that we had to talk about with various items below each one of them. And I think we've gotten through one. So congrats <laughs> no, to the crew. No, 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 no we've got, no, I'm just being no, silly. We've gotten through a few that. of them. 
Outline, um, outline, Wes, outline. I, outline. Uh, let's talk about this a little <laughs> bit. Um, I guess we probably should get in here in the last half hour of the show. Let's Do you guys about... want to dive into what's coming up this weekend? Well, no, I want to talk about, we're talking about tracks. We're talking about packing tracks. How about this deal with uh, Steve Earwood and Rockingham Dragway getting state funding I think it's for funny. improvements and repairs to Rockingham Dragway? And this is a democratic uh, um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, State, a Democrat, uh, well, democratic uh, legislation and everything right now. So um, that that kind of really shows you how dedicated North Carolina is to motorsports and to and how important Rockingham Dragway is to that part of the state and Richmond County and what Steve Earwood has done to sort of cement himself as. Um, an important figure and, and someone that can command this type of respect and investment from the state. We don't see this hardly anywhere anymore, uh, especially as everything is being pushed to EVs as you know, this is just really rare. What, what do you think contributes to this? And can we see this more throughout the rest of the country? I think it's a prime example that people make all the difference. I mean, I give all the credit and I know that he wouldn't accept all the credit, but I would give all the credit to Steve Earwood. I mean, this is a guy who's done the hard work, built the relationships, built the network, rang phones, went to meetings. A lot of that stuff, uh, and I want to talk about this before the end of the show, a lot of that political stuff gets frowned on. And I've been one of the guys that bagged on that stuff. I have. In the past, I remember going to you know, big events, uh, even trade shows and being like, oh man, this is a bunch of glad handing bullshit. Nothing's really happening here, but I was wrong. I mean, there are certainly, you know, exceptions to what I'm talking about. There are, I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, obviously our, the political world is full of meaningless happenings and whatnot, but Steve Earwood and Rockingham Dragway and this new deal with the state of North Carolina is an example of those relationships and those efforts and that political action paying dividends right i mean we've seen it steve's done a lot i can tell you i've been there he would have my dad come out on a wednesday before the ihra national event for the chamber of commerce i remember this the state and and make a lap uh for the chamber of commerce and anything he could do he he was always reaching out and trying to schedule radio interviews uh we did radio we, we did radio interviews before almost every rockingham event um and that you just don't you don't see that sort of uh, preparation and planning, even if it may not pay off right away. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's come through in the long run for for Steve. I mean, and now and he's about is, to get some support to renovate this legendary facility. I think like a half million, close to a half million dollars, was it not? I actually am not sure. Uh, forgive my ignorance on this. I, I we, wasn't. I'm we published sure the article a couple weeks ago on Drag Illustrated. Uh, Homeboy, that's was, a big number. It and was in the can... hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's part of a greater initiative in the state of North Carolina, the Motorsports um, Recovery Act or something like that. And so it, it just shows how th- that state is, well, my home state here, shout out North Carolina, how it's getting behind or and it has always been behind motorsports and how it recognizes how important it is to the economy. And I wonder, is it possible to see that in other States or is this? I think maybe, so, man. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a couple, it a little bit maybe in a right couple now. years. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing it right I mean, now in Texas. You know what I mean? Uh, Texas uh, is a great example. You know what, what the state of Texas has done in the state of Texas's uh, department of tourism, what they've done to support the Texas motorplex in recent years is, 
it's unbelievable. I mean, it has been the ultimate difference maker. The only reason without question that we see events like the stampede of speed that took place last fall down here in uh, outside of Dallas at the Texas Motorplex, the, the house that Billy Meyer built, that event would not be possible without the support of the state of Texas. And it's for me, it makes me feel good. It makes me stick my chest out a little bit because it's when a state right? Uh, really important people recognize the value that motorsports uh, brings to the community. I mean, they recognize the the dollars that are generated, the tax revenue that's generated, um, the, the tourism, the people coming into the state, the exposure that's generated by way of motorsports. It makes me proud and it makes me happy for a lot of these racer, uh, excuse me, racetrack owners and promoters because We've seen it time and time again, JT, Mike, how many races have we been to when we roll into a small community and no one's the wiser? You go out to the track, everybody's there, and afterwards, you go to a restaurant, you go to a hotel. What are you doing? Into There's a lot of people in town. Why are all y'all here? And it really, it, it breaks my heart. Man. You know, breaks it my is. heart. We, we were, I was at the airport waiting on you to land in Indy at, at a bar, and uh, a couple guys, younger guys, all loading up for a bachelor party that weekend and they're like man i can't believe we're leaving during indy five this is all we have in here in indianapolis is the indy 500 and we're leaving this is the only big thing we've got happening in this city and i wanted to look over there and be like dude the biggest drag race in the, in world, the world happens here happens here. <laughs> every labor day and that's a little bit of a reminder of kind of what we're up against here no, there's no doubt, man. And I mean, the motorsports, drag racing, all motorsports, man, it's a needle mover in every community that they show up at. I mean, we're looking at some uh, vintage footage here from ADRL Drag Stock, I believe in 2008 at Rockingham Dragway. And when you look at those grandstands, those notorious, legendary concrete bleachers at Rockingham, packed full of people. I mean, don't think the hotels in Pinehurst and all the surrounding communities there weren't very, very happy about this event being there. So huge shout out to the state of North Carolina. Congrats to Steve Earwood and the crew out there at Rockingham Dragway. I hope that there's a What's cool about Steve, too, is I think he would lend an ear and lend some insight and advice to any track owner in the country that wish to accomplish something similar. I know that uh, can be said for the team at the Texas Motorplex. They're always willing to help share ideas. Uh, but it, for me, it Steve feels is good. a huge asset to this sport. And um, when he retires, is someone we're going to greatly miss in his influence and the way he's conducted things here in the state of North Carolina. I actually just pulled up the article on dragillustrate.com it was it's a $485,000 grant from the state of North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, real nice. I mean that's man, it's music to my ears and can't wait. I, Rockingham still in my mind is one of the most iconic drag strips there is. I mean the tower, the the shutdown, uh the pits, the trees being across the street from the big old NASCAR track. I mean, it's it's an iconic facility that I believe deserves to have a strong and bright future. And I'm really glad. And I'm hoping hosting an NPK event this year too. Later oh, no this joke. Fall. I guess I didn't oh, yeah. even realize that NPK is going there. In Dude, the fall. no prep Kings at Rockingham dragway. That may well be ma a match made in heaven. I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm bad going. That, bad when bad. is that? October. Jeez. There's a lot going on in October. Let me pull it up. I better buy my wife. Something Let me see nice. if I can pull it up faster than Kevin Stevenson can tell me what the date is in the comments. No, there's no chance, man. There's no chance. Hold on. Um, my tree in October 14th. Okay, let me write it down. Just because you're, you're delayed. I got you, Kevin. <laughs> what do you guys uh, 
Oh my goodness. I, I had a whole bit ready for uh, the part supply chain issues. I mean, is the worst yet to come? Because I have been surprised that we haven't heard more about that. It seems like everybody wants to talk about it, but I haven't seen... I mean, it's hard to think that there are... It's affecting everybody too much because you got guys like Justin Swanstrom rebuilding his car in a week and switching in the combinations. That's, where the, that's yeah. where the whole part supply. Right. He all may have caused that a part shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Swanstrom has them all bought up. Well, there's no <laughs> chance you can get a Lexus Pro Mod front end right now or yeah, hood or windshield. All, they're all yeah. bought up. Justin's got all those, man. It's, it's <laughs> that, that might have been why he had to switch a screw blower. He ran out of pro it is parts. Ran out of parts yeah. Dude, I actually, he referenced that a little bit. Like it's the sixth windshield we've put in the car. Um, but I'm going to tell you what, there's no telling. You can't count on that screw blower not taking a windshield or two with it as well. Ask Jason Scruggs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I think yeah. Jason Scruggs lost some roofs. Like windshield, <laughs> roof, firewall. Man, uh, Jason Scruggs is pi a pioneer of the screw blower days, right there, man. We got to give. When I was, when I see that, and I saw Swans from that clip at Darlington, I was thinking about Scruggs at Darlington racing that deal. It, I got to tell you, the whole screw blower deal. Three, two or three years ago, I was very vocal about how I did not want to see any more screw blowers in door cars. Like, and I still can make a an argument that they belong in funny cars. I just historically speaking, everywhere screw blowers go, they dominate historically speaking. I mean, it's a most of the time. And I'm, I'm anxious to see if that is something that will materialize now that they're involved in NHRA pro mod. I mean, seeing Justin Swanstrom make the switch, if they have success and more teams have success, success with the screw blower, we're going to see more and more and, a, and more of them. A team like Stan Shelton being, you know, behind that screw blower program, pro I think, line, petty yeah. fuel tech, everybody that's involved with that. If that, I don't know. People have been worried in the past, like, would there be, I remember saying right here on this show that, man, it's not going to be long and every pro mod is going to be a twin turbo Hemi deal with a 400 turbo behind it. Every single one of them. Now there's like one on the planet, womp right? Womp. Womp, womp. You know, <laughs> missed that one. Now, granted, they had, we had help because the NHRA changed the rules and it was, it was difficult, but uh, to be competitive with that combination. But nonetheless, at the well, speaking way, of pro right line, we're going, it's going to happen quick. Speaking the of pro, pro line, I think we've heard through the grapevine, right? That, uh, you know, that whole know. operation that they, as far as all the tuners and the testing that they do with their clients, they've seen a or are reducing that amount um, just to conserve parts, or they've seen their, their clients do that to, to conserve parts. We've heard about yeah. pro stock teams pulling back on testing. Um, we've seen some major teams sit out of national events, possibly due to, parts shortages so uh i think that i think it's definitely something that as the year goes on and the, as the attrition starts to happen and and you start to need those replacement parts that we're going to see more of um but do you think that that's keeping people from racing right now i don't know man it's i think it's a curious conversation because i do think i thought by june we would see a lot more of, of teams sitting out, taking, picking and choosing races. Uh, the article you referenced was on competitionplus.com. It was an interview that Tracy Rennick did with, uh, with uh, Dave Connolly. And Dave Connolly talked about how much less they're testing at KB Racing, their pro stock team, based on parts availability. However, on the other side of that uh, coin, all I ever hear about is the Caruso team testing. All I ever hear about is the Elite Motorsports team testing. So there are still people testing. And I don't know if that's just the scale of those programs or respective resources. I, to your point, Mike, I have heard that 
you know, ProLine has several of their customers who are used to testing quite frequently that they've said, hey, we need to scale this back a little bit and not have as many test sessions or not, you know, go to as many races because connecting rod availability uh, is an issue and we don't, we have enough to run and compete for a championship, but we may not have enough to, to do the extra races or go do an extra test session or what have you when there's a big layoff. So, uh, the only real high level or marquee name that I've seen skip a race that really stuck out to me was Billy Torrance skipping uh, the NHRA national event in Virginia, but they cited human resources being the issue for that more than hard part. Which is another, I mean, when you talk about the supply chain and everything that's going on affecting businesses, I feel like the, the human uh, workforce element could be considered lumped in with that, you know, with that issue. It's not just... Because well, and, and that's and in that, every that industry, right? Because who's running the the factories and the foundries and the machines to produce these parts, and then they can't. These companies that produce them can't get people to to uh, to run those things. So it really it, is it, a perfect all, storm. Yeah, man. it all trickles it's, down, man. And now, and I think this like the elephant in the room is five dollar a gallon diesel. You know, I, I mean, yeah. we're nearing six dollar a gallon diesel, which. We've had this discussion before and we talked about it earlier in the week on our production call, but it's like, I'm also surprised that we haven't seen more people bowing out over these fuel prices. I mean, we have seen it a little bit and we certainly have heard people talking about it, um, but it, I don't know, for me, it, I don't know, it brings up that whole question of professional versus hobbyist that people get up in arms about. So we don't necessarily got to go there uh, right now because we're low on time. But I, I do think that the worst is yet to come. I mean, that's what the question was, Mike, JT, when it comes to the parts supply uh, issues, do, do we think that we've seen it at its worst or is the worst yet to come? And I, my answer is I think the worst is yet to come. I'm yeah, not, not at all negative. I mean, I think the worst, yeah, I think the worst we heard is about yet it. to come. We heard about it, what, early in the year and we really haven't seen it, so... I mean, it's but that it's gonna, was going to rear its head at some point. Probably, we, we were hearing about it before fuel prices went crazy, and now we've got right. that compounding it. And that, to me, is a more wide-ranging effect. And and no one can escape the higher fuel prices. And it, when it comes down, like you said, hobbyists versus pros, some of these weekend warriors that want to go out bracket racing at their local track, or or even travel maybe to uh, divisional series events, we're going to start to see that fall away due to fuel prices before I think the uh, parts attrition starts to affect the pros because the people, the pros, the, the people that have the money to run a pro operation or, or have the funding to do so, they're going to do everything in their power to get parts. But the guys that are on the fence, uh, like I said, bracket racing or, or, or whatever else are going to make that decision. I think largely based on fuel prices right. um, once they get, once they get tired of, filling up those diesel tanks a couple times there's levels to drag racing like i i've said this a lot but there's like the first five levels let's say um chris bell a, a friend of mine and i were talking about this a longtime pro stock crew chief uh owner of kinetic engineering we were talking about this recently where it's like there's there's like six levels to drag racing and the first five are all real close together right but when you go to that sixth level when when parts become consumables right that, that's when things really get different. That, that level is 100 yards away. And I bring that up because I think most drag racers, like a large majority of them, they're not running their stuff so hard that, you know, they buy an engine and they expect that thing to get, you know, last all year, freshen it up in the off season and run it again. Only at the very highest levels of our sport do we see guys 
doing what Mike Bowman is doing and rebuilding engines between races and guys having to do complete teardowns or junking stuff every run like we see in some of the Nitro ranks, right? I mean, that's there's differences. I mean, like the Eddie Bucks, like my dad and a lot of the guys that are going racing, even at a high level, they're, they're likely done if they tear anything up too bad. You know what I mean? So parts supply isn't really a problem because they were going to have to sit out the rest of the year anyways. It's only at the super highest levels that that I think that this is a huge problem. I have heard a ton of horror stories from engine builders, right, that have five, six, ten engines laying open, ready to go together, but they're missing a few missing, parts and pieces. Yeah, missing one part. It's an interesting thing for George, sure, and I George hope George Hoff in the comments says, I'm, I'm so wrong that bracket racers will do whatever to be at the track, and Hey, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not arguing that it's definitely a dedicated group. It's just that, uh, what, what does it pay to race? How, you know, how, what's the, what's the, uh, the risk versus reward of going out and racing that maybe we'll start to see that. Well, I think like the levels. hardcore, but that's again, like, yeah, the, the hardcore big money bracket racer, very few things are going to deter them. Like they're, right. they're going to drive to the track in a hundred percent rain forecast. If gas is $8 a gallon right there, that's the level they're racing at. I think you're right in like the local regional racer, exactly. like the guy, you know, who is going to a couple of local tracks or whatever. Maybe he stays at one track this year, you know, in, in Missouri and Iowa and Illinois, it was always like, you're okay. We're going to go to Cedar Falls this weekend. We're going to go to Eddieville next weekend. We're going to Cordova next weekend. It, you know, all of those were, were within relative driving distance. I've had conversations with racers this year where it's like, you know what, we're just going to stay local to Cordova. Gas is crazy you know, they're going to stay local. And they're also, to my earlier point, you're not, they're not racing. It's a different style of racing, right? It's about consistency. It's much less about, you know, max performance, you know? Right. So you're going to make the necessary changes to, to hopefully not tear anything up. None of this stuff is uh, completely immune to mechanical failure, but it's an interesting conversation nonetheless. How about uh, a couple of things we got to touch on when we look forward here? Um, we got a big weekend of drag racing coming up. We touched earlier on the No Prep Kings event, but man, how about the New England Nationals coming up this weekend? I don't know about you guys, and I know it hasn't been that long, but I need some NHRA stuff back in my life. I mean, it really feels like, especially <laughs> pro, stock. pro Stock. Pro Stock is making its return this weekend. It's been forever. It has, man. It's been a month <laughs> since we've seen a 500-inch Pro Stock car unclutch it. On the starting line of an NHRA national event, I'm genuinely excited about it. And I'm excited about like the photo and video opportunity that exists when the NHRA rolls into uh, that Boston market. New England Dragway will be, I mean, we'll have traffic jams. They'll have the helicopter shots of the pits flooded with people. This is a track that gets a huge turnout of fans. And I always love to see the photos that come from it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think a great point uh, that Josh Hatchett, uh, our editor, brought up to us earlier this week is i believe this will this is a huge event for canadian fans oh yeah he did to come across the border it's just one of their closest events and that's not been possible the past couple of years so i think that that we're going to see a big influx of that this this deal is always at capacity that that facility is uh like we like we like to call them intimate facilities where there's not a, a an empty space to be had and we're definitely going to see that this weekend it, I know that racers specifically, we love a fancy facility. We love a great racing surface, but man, you get to some of these honky tonk tracks like New England Dragway, and I just think our sport looks exceptionally good at these places. The fans are close to the action. Um, there's people everywhere. There's like one or two ways to get into the track, so it creates bottlenecks, but it's those 
it's these videos, right, of a packed, a packed drag racing facility that I think piques people's curiosity. Like, man, what are all these people doing out here? Like, we got to go see what's going on at the drag strip. So anyways, I'm genuinely looking forward to it, really looking forward to what happens next with Pro Stock. I, again, for the last couple of years, I feel Pro Stock has stolen the show when it comes to NHRA. We've had great racing in Funny Car, great racing in Top Fuel. We're having great racing in Pro Stock Motorcycle this year, but there's just so many storylines. These, these really, really tight camps, right? KB versus Elite, the, the new Caruso team coming out, variety of engine builders, a couple different car manufacturers. It's just it's a fun, fun place to watch. You got Erica Enders, right? Four-time 4X champion over there. You got Greg Anderson. You got some fresh faces. Dallas Glenn, Troy Coughlin. You got Camry Caruso, uh, Kyle Koretsky, all these uh, fresh-faced uh, pro-stock relative newcomers. It's an exciting time for this class, and I'm just glad to have it back. Yeah, man. I miss I wonder, it. I wonder what, what's been going on in the R&D departments and the testing over this month off. Um, and, and what we're going to see coming out of this, uh, definitely excited to see 500 inch pro stock back. And we've got a nice feature coming out on one of these upcoming drivers. Stay tuned later this evening, the digital edition of our newest issue, drag illustrated 176, the women of power issue, uh, will be dropping this evening and, tonight at uh, 7 PM central tonight Standard 7 Time, right? Eastern. I, oh, I'll Eastern. say, yeah, I'll, I'll say no more. Stay tuned yeah. for that. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. We'll drop the cover of the new issue of the magazine tonight. Uh, we'll post that up on Drag Illustrated's Facebook and Instagram pages. So make sure you check those out at Drag Illustrated and, on uh, Facebook also, and Instagram. We got to give a shout out to Lyle Barnett. He uh, Great comment in here about the travel expenses. Um, if, if it's going to shorten your travel, go support your local track. I think that's a great point. If you're going to shorten your travel, still make it to your local track, support their concessions, uh, you know, I think that that could be a great side effect of this of this fuel deal. But Lyle's in here making comments, and the man just became a new father overnight. He did. So, he did. Shout yeah. out! Shout out to Lyle! And uh, his, oh, there we go. Yep. Oh, there it is! Wow, it is. there he is, Grandpa Congrats, and a and new father. Wife. Look at that smile, man. Yep. The only time I've seen him that happy was when he was in the winter circle in Texas. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a big smile from Lyle Barnett. I told him in Charlotte, there's nothing more rewarding than being a parent, man. Being a dad yep. is my absolute favorite yep. thing. So huge congratulations to Kyle, uh, to Lyle and, uh, the Barnett family, man. That's a, that's a big one, dude. It's exciting, right? It is, man. It changes everything though. That's, that's, a, that's the first thing when yeah. he, when he told us about it, the first thing I said is, all right, everything you know about your life is about to change a hundred percent. I do. Uh, Kevin Stevenson, always a great participant, a great, uh, longtime viewer of the show. And thank you for being here every week, man. Uh, is saying looks like NHRA is pushing the Caruso versus Enders angle. Uh, I just want to riff on that a little bit. Don't you think that that's good? Like that's what NHRA lacks that no prep Kings has is some of these controversies and the picking of sides. We don't see it as much in the pro ranks because of these guys being professionals, right? And everybody wants to carry themselves like a professional. And it seems like people are a little bit more careful with their words, but I think that's a fantastic thing. I mean, what it's like motors, be... drag racing won the lottery. You got yeah. two young women racing in highly competitive cars. I mean, I saw a YouTube video last over the weekend and it was just all about how bad Danica Patrick really was <laughs> like how it was, it was, was really, really bad. Yeah. And to think about our sport, 
it's unbelievable how diverse this sport is. It is. I talked to a guy from GT America, the road course event that I went to, and he said, man, drag racing is light years ahead of every other motorsports, every other motorsport when it comes to diversity. And to have two oh, yeah. young women like Erica Enders and Camry Caruso going head to head, I mean, amongst a slew of others, it's a really exciting time. I think they've got to get after it. If, you, if they didn't, we would be so pissed off. We, we would be burning an HRA at the stake. They ha I'm, I'm glad to see them promoting and taking advantage of this. And I'm interested to see where this goes through the end of the year and how it ramps up as we get to the countdown. I mean, that's going to be fun to watch. It really is, man. There's more storylines there than there have been in years. And Pro Stock's been, I mean, very interesting for the last several seasons. But to, I didn't even know there was another level that it could get to. I got concerned when Jason Lyon retired. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, Jed Coughlin uh, Jr. retired. And I'm, I, I thought, oh, this is bad. This is like when UFC, when the Iceman and what Randy Couture go away. Second. It and did, then, you know? Yeah, yeah. But here they come, man. Here they come, a fresh group of... Uh, exciting uh, competitors. It's a great thing, man. NHRA, NHRA has been really good this year. Yep. NHRA has been incredible this year. The fact that, I mean, we're what six, how many ever many races into the season and we still haven't seen Steve Torrance in the winter circle. I mean, there's been a lot, a lot of things that are worth celebrating, you know, that just, there's a lot of different people winning uh, some new suspects, some usual suspects. It's an exciting time for, for NHRA. We also have the Midwest drag racing series rolling into great Bend, Kansas this coming weekend. Um, SRCA drag strip. It's, uh, it's a great my, facility, right? Golly, dude. It might be. It's one of the coolest. The first ever NHRA national event was held out here in Great Bend, Kansas. Um, an incredible little Saturday night drag strip, man. Look at those concrete walls for those man, people that uh, look listening like a in. Little Saturday night drag strip. It that doesn't like a real deal right there. The coolest thing about it is it is entirely staffed by volunteers. I mean, from the starter to the race director, to the kid in the water box, to the lady in the tower, everybody there is volunteering their time. It's such an incredible thing, man. Such an incredible thing. I'm excited for the Midwest series to roll into a track that I think could they could really kind of put a stamp on it. You don't get a lot of big time events that go to Great Bend. So this is a cool opportunity for the Midwest there. I mean, that's like the NHRA coming to town. You know, I mean, you can sense the enthusiasm from the staff. You can sense the enthusiasm from the local racers and fans. It's a really, really cool deal. That tugs at my heartstrings there yep. a little bit. Scotty Oaks <laughs> um, there in the background nice is his son, to, Joey. Uh, to Scott coming up in our new issue releasing tonight yep. as well. Yeah, really. Uh, it's a t super touching tribute, man. That was a great job. Good job on that whole deal. Like the layout turned out fantastic. Everything about it really... Uh, Incredible thing there. But uh, Robert Gallegos there. I mean, it's a great thing. Midwest Drag Racing Series headed to Great Bend this weekend. We also have, guys, I'm going to throw up another one. This And this kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about event stacking. The Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod Association is headed to Cecil County Dragway as part of Cecil County's Outlaw Streetcar Reunion. I think the Outlaw Streetcar Shootout, really cool to see them bring in the NEO PMA to be a part of their regular event as something that a monthly series they have there at Jim Halsey, Cecil County dragway, uh, man, pro mod. I got an email back from somebody today. It's like, all you guys talk about on the show is pro mod. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of this <laughs> stuff going been, on, bro? man. That's what we've been uh, doing for, for <laughs> 20 years, nearly. Oh man. I mean, it's just, it's almost unavoidable. I mean, I say it all the time. It's the universal language of drag racing, man. I think even the people that don't do it, respect it. 
right? I mean, they respect yeah. what's going on with ProMod. I mean, you see it at an NHRA national event. John Force, uh, everybody, Matt Hagen, everybody, Leah Pruitt, everybody's standing up there watching these cars because everybody appreciates it. This is as sketchy as it gets in many cases, at least in prepped drag racing. So and look, um, and look what these cars are running in Northeast oh, Alabama. Permod 366 right there from Dean Marinas. This, this, this organization has some of the, the best nitrous cars, best blown cars in the country, all combinations uh, competing in this deal. And uh, Nate brought up a good point about this race being at Cecil County. We saw Jim Halsey dip his toe into uh, Northeast action last year. We may see that, see that again this weekend, um uh remains to be seen but regardless the track prep at cecil because jim knows what jim and his crew know what what all these racers are looking for and what they need to do as far as prep and uh that that place is on kill for this event so something definitely to watch for this weekend i think it's going to be a fun one man how about this uh tyler hard kevin mccurdy their two-car team this will be their first race of the season there in the northeast outlaw pro mod association and they point to parts availability that's the reason they've not been out and we touched on that earlier in the show but geez louise man um gonna be good to see them they've missed you know fortunately they have only missed what one northeast outlaw pro mod race because the other one got rained out so they haven't missed much but it is crazy to see a, a season get derailed until the first of june you know, because of parts availability issues. Yeah. Those, I mean, that's, a, that's one of the uh, examples that we were giving about the parts availability. I think that's one of the more prominent teams that we've heard about having those issues and having to miss races because of it. A hundred percent, man. Well, Hey, uh, we also have uh, Marty Robertson, one of our sponsors here at Elite uh, from Elite HP. I want to remind everybody real quick before we bring up this next clip that uh, the West Buck show is brought to you by our friends at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real deal drag racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs. Whether it's a turnkey pro mod car or a set of projects, check out their inventory at EliteHP.com. Hey guys, um, how excited are you for Marty Robertson? Um, I am. I'm, I'm really excited for Marty. Yeah. I'm genuinely excited to see. I love that car too. Oh, dude. I don't know. There aren't many cars that have the fanfare that, uh, that that one does. You know what I mean? Like people just get excited about the bad fish Barracuda. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes for Marty. Uh, I think he's going to be a perfect fit in that scene. They've he, done just the right amount of buildup. You know, it hasn't been too long. hasn't been too much. Um, like you said, Marty is even, you know, cautioned. Uh, you know, wanting to just get the right amount out there before he makes his debut. And they're just going about it the smart way, the smart way, which is what you would expect from this, this team. Patrick Barnhill, uh, Jason Lee involved in uh, tuning this hot rod. So they've got some of the best in the business when it comes to uh, making one of these cars go down the track. Somebody with a lot of experience in the no prep realm. I, I, I think they're going to come out swinging. I really do. I mean, what what's your take here? We can't really make a bet on qualifying or where he's going to. But do you anticipate seeing the bad fish uh, go a couple of rounds? Do you think they've got what it takes to make a make the kind of splash that Manny Bajinga has made in the futures class? I think so. Yeah, we would have to get some intel from what we've seen at testing. I know our own uh, Dion Walrath has been out there for a couple of these test sessions at XRP. 
to see what's been going down. He said it looked pretty impressive. So it wouldn't surprise me to see it go around or two. And I think From that, what that would I be understand, that would be a, a huge a victory. Yeah, yeah, huge victory. I mean, we just heard Mike Bowman talk about how crazy difficult this stuff is. I think the the great equalizer has is this no prep surface. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I think they're going to be fast from what I understand. And I don't, I'm not going to spill the beans on anything based on what Mike Bowman was saying about what his car is running, being in that 390, low 390, uh, 380 range. I think they're in the hunt. Uh, and with a little bit of luck and a little bit of sunshine, this sunshine this weekend, I think they're going to be a threat. Manny Bajinga is going to be there with Fred, the famed and feared red Mustang. It's really great to see all these guys kind of coming out of the woodwork to do this deal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think it's cool. Patrick's been been tuning, you know, on on some cars on the street and and the no prep. So um, I think he's probably got a pretty good handle on it. Oh, dude, I think he's well. A kicking ass and taking names with Jason Lee and Eric Gustafson's car, the white Camaro and PDRA uh, Pro Boost competition, Midwest Pro Mod competition. Competition. They've they've bounced around a little bit, made some one lights out uh, or won the sweet 16 went 349. I mean, the, Patrick Barnhill is a bad mofo and he'll, yeah. he kind will be a problem guy. out here. Kind of a low key guy that he is. that doesn't, he's not out there, you know, glory chasing and kind of makes it about his drivers and, but is behind a lot of these very, very fast operations that you see out there. There's no doubt. I think Marty, I'm, I'm looking forward to them having a big weekend. We got to get, so we've got to pick a no prep Kings event to go to sooner than Rockingham or Dallas, right? Mike, we're going to have JT. Let's get on the, the old master calendar that Mike made for drag illustrated. Yeah. Let me pull and that let's, bad boy up. Let's pick one and the three <laughs> of us go and we'll just, uh, we'll go a day early and we'll do the show like live. Uh, we'll do a live remote if we have decent internet. Can't do it in Norwalk. I mean, we got to go to a place where we got really fast internet. Tulsa. Oh, yeah. Tulsa's right up the road. Go see Todd Martin and Keith Haney hang yeah. out. Uh, there's a great Mexican about, restaurant right down. It's a kind of right. a diving place, but so, right down the street from the racetrack. Need. That's all we need. Um, I sat there uh, by myself, ate some steak tacos that were cooler, um, had a margarita. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful place. We got to go there soon. I didn't. I was the only one that wasn't speaking Spanish. But anyways, guys, well, hey, I want to tell each and every one of you again, remind you, thank you. This show does not exist without all of y'all. Your comments, your shares, your likes, your support makes all the difference in the world. Huge shout out to all of our sponsors, Stroud Safety, Sand Haulers of America, Holly Performance Products, Flow Racing, Elite HP, Redline Synthetic Oils. Thank you guys so much for making this possible, helping us spread the gospel of drag racing. Guys, do you got anything else we need to cover, or is it time to get the shoots out? I think we got her all. JT's got, a coach, uh, JT's got to coach a baseball game or something. Got my hand on the handle. Or no, wait. It's on the button. Oh, it's, it's a on button the, now. It's, it's a button on the, on the steering wheel now. I'm not used to that. Real quick question. Would you, uh, if you're a pro mod racing or drag racing of any type, do you want your shoot on a lever or on a button? JT, go. Uh, lever. Lever. Mike lever yeah i think i wanted the button you know both hands on the wheel you know what i mean just feels like yeah everybody drives with both hair. hands on the wheel now that's a different thing right yeah. it's a whole different world it's a whole totally different, different world all right guys thank you so much we'll see you next uh wednesday 2 p.m central standard time appreciate the support all the reach outs about my little girl uh she's good she's on the mend she's gonna be fine uh thanks for all the support and all the reach outs remind you guys real quick um tonight 7 p.m uh no 6 p.m eastern 
7 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. The new issue of Drag Illustrated, our annual Women of Power issue, will drop. Log on to dragillustrated.com. You can read the entire magazine for free. Again, I want to give a huge shout-out to my team at Drag Illustrated. Mike, JT, Nancy, Caroline, Van, Nate Van Wagner, Josh Hatchett, Kyle, uh, Dion Walrath. Who else? Um, I think I got them all. I think I got us all in one go round. Biggest yeah. issue. I said Van. Oh, biggest issue of Drag Illustrated since 2017. Our biggest print run ever. Roughly 10,000 pounds of paper uh, going to press tomorrow morning. So thank you guys. <laughs> Brett Underwood um, bringing a whole bunch of new partners into the fold. Huge shout out to our team. This is a big moment for our group. Thank you guys. Seriously. Uh, and congratulations. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. There you go.